We're here. Unclicked yeah. podcast with Chris Mad Dog Moeller, S&M Bikes owner, founder. But uh, before we jump into everything, we got our cool sponsor, Traction Coffee mm-hmm. from uh, Denver, Colorado. Is that where they're from? I believe so, yeah. yeah. They're actually in San Diego right now, unfortunately. Really? Well, not unfortunately. Unfortunately for me, because I haven't seen them. But uh, So we got a bag of coffee for Chris. Nice. So wow. obviously, Our first I think sponsor, our first gift. This is good things. <laughs> $5 from you. every bag goes to getting somebody special on the podcast. Whole bean? Whole bean. I got to get a grinder. Oh, you got to get it. All right. I'll, <laughs> we'll get, I'll get one delivered over there. <laughs> I'll scoop up a grinder on the way home. So, obviously, we have been talking about doing this podcast for a while. I think we set a tentative date from like two or three weeks from now for you to come down and do the podcast. And then all this news drops yesterday. And we'll get into that. But uh, we do, do want we want it to be a real podcast, not solely about this, this uh, rumor right the, the the hearsay and all that stuff that is going around so um we wanted to just kind of he wants to leave people hanging a little bit <laughs> till the end well, that's smart that's yeah, it is, it smart. is smart, he knows right? what he's doing yeah, yeah. people so, are like oh now we got to hear molar waffle on about i don't think people will be too bothered no i think that. that's going to be great so your generation how old are you 50 50 congrats thank you halfway Halfway to what? <laughs> to a hundred? <laughs> Am I making it to a hundred? Probably. So. You're gonna have like prosthetic everything at that point. Yeah. So um, I'm shooting for eighty. Eighty? You got that? I'd be happy like with eighty. Eighty's yeah. gonna be like that. Boom! You're still gonna be jumping trails. I bet. I hope you've got a couple hip re- replacement, shoulder replacements. Right. You're, you're healthy as hell. Yeah, I'll be good. They can fix you nowadays. <laughs> exactly. So, so you, you, you uh, let's, what do we want to start? Well, with I was that? just going to, let's, I mean, we rarely do this, but let's start from the beginning. You started riding in like 76, I think it was. Uh... Yeah, I, I started riding BMX bikes in the 70s and I was also doing a lot of uh, skateboarding, riding dirt bikes. My dad was a surfer, skateboarder, dirt bike guy. So I just did, my brother and I did all that stuff because that's what my dad did. Mm-hmm. So we would, you know, go to all the skate parks in the 70s and ride the BMX bike around a little bit, but I wasn't really into BMX in the seventies. My brother was more so than I was. I was more into skateboarding. And then in the early eighties, I started to get more onto the riding BMX bikes. And that's, and that's basically at that point that is racing. Well, yeah, it was racing because, uh, what happened was I was, I was out riding around on my brother's Webco and I got, we built a jump in front of our house and I was hitting the jump and I got hit by a car and, I was knocked out. Guy took off. It was hit and run. And I recovered. And I was okay. I had a concussion, whatever. But mm-hmm. uh bike got ruined. A couple days later, this guy shows up at the house and is real guilty about it. And, I mean, this is how things happen, I guess, in the early 80s. But he just told my parents, hey, I feel really bad. I hit your kid. And I don't know what I can do, but I'd like to buy him a whole new bike. So we went to the local bike shop, which was called Carnivales, and he just let my brother go wild and build the best possible bike you could build in 1980 Damn! and once i had this bike this bike was insane it was like a 1500 hundred dollar bike in 1980 and then, then we then we randomly happened to be out big o skate park in orange across the freeway was a bmx track and we didn't even know about it but we would go to the skate park and skate and then we would drive up to Saddleback Mountain, and there was a motocross track up there. And one day, we just happened to see the BMX track and saw kids riding around, and we went over there. And I don't know why, but I just 
instantly was like, I got to do this. And I had this brand new crazy bike. So the next Friday or whatever it was, I showed up and raced and I was 1982. And I, I was mean, one years old, one year old. There might have been so, it's such a cra- crazy concept of the idea of BMX back then to me at least is because it's like you said Webco and yeah. uh, and Dennis is like I have no idea what that is no. I barely know yeah, what yeah. it is it it was like almost all brands back then there were motocross brands they built motorcycle frames so Redline Champion Webco these are all motorcycle brands and then BMX started to blow up and they were like this is so similar to what we do already let's just get in on this hmm. so they. All those early BMX brands were basically motocross brands. Really, and so when you when you rode BMX back then, was it? Did you ta- start taking your bike to the skate park as well, or was it? You weren't allowed to. Yeah, same. bikes bikes were not allowed in the skate parks back huh. then. At so all. many years later, same rules still. Certain in some skate places. parks, certain skate parks were. So my grandma lived in um, on Paramount Boulevard in, over in LA County. And there was a skate park right by her house called Paramount Skateboard Park. And SE actually happened to be on that same street, too, back then. Wow. That park allowed bikes. So, so SE was a bike company all the way back then? Oh, yeah. SE, SE was the really the first BMX rider-owned brand. Really? Yeah. Scott Brighthop basically invented BMX. And then he started SE. And, yeah, that's the first rider-owned Bike so, brand. so when you were a kid, this brand was around at the same time those motorcycle companies were making. <clears throat> yeah, well, he was a motorcycle racer. He was a motocross rider, and then he got into riding bikes, and then he had various sponsors, and then he ended up somehow he's like he's just an entrepreneur, I guess. But he wound up starting his own brand, Scott Enterprises, and that's SE Racing. And then he, you know, years later, he teamed up with this guy Mike Devitt, who was a manufacturer, and that brand blew up. I mean, this late seventies, early eighties, SE was. It was the coolest brand. Yeah. I mean, hands down. So you were young and you already had like cool brands to look into once you started racing yeah. and getting a feel for what's going on in BMX. You're like, oh, there's there's already people doing this. Yeah, SE was sick. It was like it was the coolest brand for sure. And then after that, you know, GT came in and there were a few other brands that, you know, they started up around that time, you know, probably 84. Mm-hmm. Were those more brands coming in because they saw money involved in it, less rider owned? Mainly dads that had kids that rode. Okay. But yeah, they saw some opportunity. A lot of times the kids just needed better bikes. So these brands now that those GTs and those brands, those have just been bought out by like bots sold, bots sold. Okay. Bots sold. It's a whole different beast. So than many what it times. Was. Yeah. So yeah. many times. All the all the brands that are around today at one point were really rootsy core bike brands and they all actually built bikes. They physically built bikes. Mongoose was huge. Even um, Schwinn. Schwinn was always late to the party. Schwinn and every, always seemed like that one that was corporate even from the beginning. It, yeah, it's a family-owned company out of Chicago. Oh, so it's not, yeah, so it started with a family. The Schwinn family. There's a great book called No Hands, and it's um, the story of the Schwinn family. Hmm. Schwinn was a huge company. It was like one of the biggest employers in Chicago. Wow. They had maybe even thousands of employees. That's insane. But they were always late to the party. So it, it, the Schwinn brand, always late to the party. So road bikes got popular. It took them like five years to make one that didn't weigh... 50 pounds when um, you know they did balloon tired cruisers that was their whole thing yeah so when bmx took off it, it happened on schwins yep but they didn't they didn't even get it they didn't even get it at all they it took them forever <laughs> well they they were just, they selling. just didn't embrace it they just didn't embrace yeah. it they thought it was a fad whatever same thing with mountain bikes years later schwinn just they were late to the party oh. they always were and then eventually the funny thing about schwinn is schwinn was the first brand that went to japan to get Japanese factories 
to build bicycles for them. And that company is Giant. Wow. Schwinn went there, put Giant in business to build their bikes, and then Giant just started their own brand and smashed them. Crazy. And then Schwinn's gone. They're, that's insane. But they put themselves out of business. Yeah. They're always just kind of a little bit behind, like you're saying. Mess, always. Messing I mean, up over and over again. Because prior to going to Japan and having Giant, what became Giant Bicycles now, build the bikes for Schwinn, Schwinn made all their own bikes in Chicago. Damn. But they had, you know, really all the regular American manufacturing hurdles, high labor cost, um, you know, expensive materials, low quality, blah, 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 the stuff they were dealing with. So it's a they, trip. You're such like a core dude. And I've seen you at trail spots and stuff. But, you know, I think everything about BMX, like these, this information that's just coming out of you. I've never heard any of this before. I've, I've, I've often said that you've I've, been in the game a long time, Chris, my whole life. Yeah, you're you know, I'll, I'll, you're one of the smartest people that I interact with within BMX. And you're also one of the most intimidating ones because oh. because you are because you are such vast knowledge and you have this ability to not filter you know like you'll say what you're I mean, thinking which is fuck. which is great i am getting better know? i am getting better at that but even going through this book and seeing the history of snm we'll talk about this a bunch but your book snm's book there's just so much like you wouldn't let anyone get away with anything it looks like this you would make an ad that just like made people look so silly it's it was, a check but and, it's, it's it's check and a balance though. it was these goofy companies trying to get in and you would just be like nope that's stupid we're putting an ad out next month yeah, it, it was. It, so I think that's where the intimidation comes in. You're like, this guy will get me if, yeah. I, if I do him wrong. A, a lot of the funniest stuff, though, that we've done through the years. I mean, honestly, a lot of it, Harold, you know, Magoo was yeah. always involved. Yeah. And a lot of times. So it was other people. There were other people. Like, I've always been, I've always had, you know, mentors in the business. And <laughs> yeah. Magoo's always been one of my absolute, you know, biggest mentors in the business. And he's just nuts. Yeah. So. Sometimes his ideas were so out there that even I would go, oh, ah, too God, far. Man, I don't know. Yeah. If we... And then I just, ah, let's just do it. And we would do it. And sometimes it, it sometimes it was just so ugly. I mean, it would get like really. I mean, ugly. Some of these ads do you, are. Do you remember right towards the person? Do you the remember the Greg Walsh uh, incident where we we made a zine? Well, Magoo made it. Right where I open up to. Sorry, go ahead. We'll finish oh, this. Oh, this is, again, that yeah. was crazy. I've got to tell Rick you about Thorne, that one in a second. Yeah. Making fun yeah. of free agent Rick Thorne. <laughs> the next do you, dad, that's do you realize that at one point they fought? Who? who, who Those two the, people. Yeah. Who is this? That's Rick Thorne. Oh, so Rick but, did the... That's Rick Oh, no, this is... This, oh, sorry. This is the, this this is the, is the, re, this oh. is the real one. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, this, is, this, is, this is the parody. This is Rick. This is Rick Torn. <laughs> That's Chris Stevenson. Stevenson, right? He was right? like my right-hand man for years and years and years. And Thorne and Stevenson actually fought. Yes. They, he, he, so I'm Stevenson sure this guy was, didn't give a shit about Stevenson making fun. Stevenson was coming out of the ASR show, downtown San Diego, and Rick <laughs> was there with the whole posse, and he was he, he was like, you know, you... you Blah 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 blah. You know, yeah. like, you think you guys are hardcore? Blah blah blah. They fought. They actually <laughs> fought. Who won? <laughs> well, at one point, I'll tell you this: our other buddy Shane, his sister was there, and they had Rick down on the ground, and the sister kicked him in the head. <laughs> oh my god! Damn, the sister. <laughs> this was a, a brawl. Other people involved. Yeah. Well, Rick <laughs> and I have made up, though. By the way, we yeah, made Rick's up super cool because we were big. We were really good friends before all this. Yeah. And then but this not happened. after this. No, after this, it was tense. <laughs> Super I mean, tense. making this ad and then the next month opening up the magazine and being like, oh, uh, my God. But here's you know? the thing about this. Like, some of it, you know, suck hard. 
here. <laughs> Some of it's like real edgy. There was one yeah. where like look at the, the nightstick's going like, right in his yeah, mouth. This nightstick's this. going up his butt. Like this is yeah Contra- controversial. You, can't, you can't tell which one's the real. That's, that's that was because I opened it. I didn't look yeah, at it too yeah. much. And I'm like, but here's the thing. I even told him. I mean, he called me. You just made little funny things. He called me, screaming and yelling at me about about all this, and I said, I was like, dude. I'm sorry, honestly, but when you made this ad where you're, you know, come on. Yeah. When you made these ads, when you're sitting in the hot tub with the money and you're, you asked you're, for it, right? I was like, it's how BMX. could I not? Yeah. How could we not yeah. do That's this? what I'm saying. You didn't let people get away with his, bullshit. His sense of like humility at that point, I don't think it was, was but, on point. But I think you can look back at it Here's the thing about like, this. The only it. reason I was able to pull this kind of stuff off at this point in time is because Magoo had started an ad agency. Mm-hmm. So the same guys that do Biltwell now, the motorcycle brand, Bill Bryant, this cop, that's one of the owners of Biltwell. <laughs> and then Magoo, and then we had a budget. You know, I was spending money on yeah. it. We had a photographer. I think uh, like Ani, um, Ani Jen mm-hmm. shot, used to shoot all of our ads. We would show up on set, like a set, and we would shoot like three or four ads in a day. So it was all planned out. Magoo did it right. Yeah. But it was like I used to pay them real money. Yeah. Every yeah. month I'd pay them a lot of money, and they did great work. And we're still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. They're amazing. That's a, it's, it's funny how – memorable all of those ads are but then they're saying the parodies are so funny this is insane sd dog right here sean texas sean never is the original sd dog i never met him he must be pretty old school he's old school racer from san diego yeah but this didn't really go over too well either (laughs) to be honest with you i mean this is a little and what was funny was back are we gonna be able to put these up on the videos yeah there there were no at this time we didn't have the magazines we didn't have I don't know if I don't think there was the internet yet. I don't know what I don't think yeah. anything was it wasn't going on booming. Yet. That's for sure. So I remember being in the studio that we actually had Simon Cudby's studio, the motocross photographer. <laughs> this so, is so good. we had Sean and, and Magoo was running the shoot and we couldn't remember what these ads actually look like. We just <laughs> I just we just kept didn't saying even have them. we were like, no, we didn't have them. <laughs> we, we, it was all coming from memory. And we were like, no, Sean, Texas was super buff. And then Magoo, <laughs> Magoo's so creepy, he was like, and he was oiled up. And he was oiled up. <laughs> you remember and that. I, and, but he wasn't really. And Let's I was see. like, I don't know, man. I don't know. He's kind of he glistening. I don't know. He's if not he was oiled, oiled up. But here's the thing. Magoo just wanted to I mean, oil up Sean look, Butler. Yeah, yeah. All he wanted yeah. to do was oil up Sean. Butler's oiled up. So I was, <laughs> yeah, I, could tell. I was like, yeah, he was, he was like real buff. And you didn't have a shirt on, and he was oiled up. And, I, and then it got crazier and crazier. Like, and he was wearing blue blockers. And, and but no, he's not wearing blue blockers. We just in our just heads we it. were convinced he was wearing blue blockers. So now Sean's wearing blue blockers. <laughs> and then Magoo oiled him up. I mean, honestly, squirted it on him. <laughs> set, part. Right. Oh, I'm sure he was it fucking was, loving it. It was hilarious. Magoo was loving it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I was yeah. cringing. Yeah, so watching, watching it happen. And there's this it's Hoffman one of Hoffman doing one of the craziest things in BMX of all time. And you guys take a picture of a 40 and make an ad out of it. Yeah, I <laughs> that's did, an early one. I did this one myself in my alley. Yeah, when I was just I did the whole business out of this tiny apartment. But funny story about this one. Um, so I was really tight with Brad when he when he started Ride Magazine, and I think this was in the first issue. Mm-hmm. And I, Brad, 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 Brad McDonald, McDonald yeah. yeah. So Brad didn't own a car back then when he started the magazine. So I had a truck, and I would help him drive things around. He was living in Marino Valley at the time. And I remember going out to his house to pick up a monitor from the computer store and bring it over to his house and his apartment and help him set it up or whatever. And when I made this ad, it was a parody of this ad. But then Brad spilled the beans to Matt 
and then Matt made this ad. Mm. So Brad, he got, he got ahead of you. Brad, <laughs> Brad kind of you know blew it for me on that one. That's why there's height bars on this one. Yeah. So this just made no sense yeah. to anybody. Did you dirty right? And I think board. even to this day, like me and Brad, I think we've made up at some point too. Yeah. But uh, he, I don't think he'll admit it. <laughs> but clearly, this ad is a direct spoof of this ad. But I think the reason why he thought it was okay to spill the beans and, and let those guys change it is because I only saw this because I was snooping around his apartment. Uh, Ride Magazine was exactly like this room. Yeah. He exactly. didn't want to get so a huge, massive. Yeah. Yeah. Huge yeah. operation. Yeah. <laughs> but I would snoop around and look at everything, and I'd be like, oh, this is their new ad, and this is their new ad, because it was all. Yeah. Like, yeah the insider inside info. Scoop. Yeah. Well, let's. So. What about... I'll keep opening this yeah, up later. Let, I'll save some... I'll you started players. racing, and then I feel like you're like 12 and you start racing, and by like 16, you are starting a company. Or that's, you're that's or a 16, you're semi-pro on a magazine cover. It's crazy. Working at Go... I don't even know the whole timeline, because you had a, you had a hand in every single it major so BMX fast. magazine. So yeah, I, I think about it all the time. So when I was maybe 11 or 12, went to the track, raced for the first time, instantly was hooked i think i just i didn't even touch my skateboard or my surfboard probably for like a year mm-hmm. you know i just i was hooked instantly i didn't want to ride my dirt bike didn't want to do anything just wanted to go to the track and race so i'm doing that as many times as i can a week i mean back then you could race you could race seven nights a week mm-hmm. that's crazy it was crazy so on saturdays and sundays you could race two or three times a day you could go to a track in the morning track in the middle of the day and a track at night do three races in one day wow you'd be in corona san diego San Bernardino, whatever you were driving around like crazy, and parents would race to the next race and sign all the kids up, so that by the time the first race ended, the kids could get to the track and they miss practice, but they were signed up and they just get on the gate for the wow. first race, and then they'd, they'd do it again for the third race, and sometimes you could race three times in one day. Wow! So that's the world I got into real quick. Super into it, loved it, and I just randomly was riding around downtown Huntington Beach where I was living at the time, and ran into this kid. Who was like, oh, you like BMX? And we have some jumps over here. And I went over and rode with him for a little bit. And then he's just out of nowhere. Hey, my dad owns a bike company. And I'm maybe 13, 12 at the time. Really? And he says, yeah, yeah. You want to come over to our house? Yeah. I go over to his house. Dad owns GT. This is all so, so meant to be. The guy hits you. Brand new bike. Racetrack. Right. Friend owns GT. Exactly. Friend's dad. That's how I feel about it. That's and, how people like you get made, though. And, these and things that you fall into the right. So awesome he's like, avenues. my dad. My dad owns a bike company. So I go over to their house, and I live on Twentieth Street, and they're on Thirteenth Street, and my junior high is like on Fifteenth Street. So I can almost see their house from my junior high. And next thing I know, I'm going to the track with these guys, and I'm instantly like BMX royalty. I'm showing up with Rich Long, the guy that owns GT, and then he would bring bikes home. He he was super cool. He would he drove an old Camaro, like a '69 Camaro. Need have a few and at is, work. Is GT already GT at this? <laughs> GT point? is already killing it. Yeah. This is like '83, probably maybe the biggest company at the time. One of them. Uh, Mongoose was absolutely yeah. massive. Okay, you know, back in the heyday, Mongoose was making like 500 complete BMX bikes a day. Wow, out of their building in Chatsworth, 500 complete bikes a day. That's like Taiwan numbers you can't yeah no one's ever done that yeah since um and that's here in california but anyway it was it was up and coming and rich was a powerhouse in the 
BMX industry. Absolutely. He wanted to take everybody down. It was like, SE was cool. He was like, we're going to crush them. He was just That's your friend's dad, the dude who owned GT at the time? Jeff Long. Jeff Long. So he was trying to so, okay, can, you, can you explain? So Gary Turner is one that started GT. So, what's so the, what's what, happen, what happened was, yeah, that, that's like a, a thing people a big, always wait, ask. Yeah, way before. So Gary Turner was a, a fabricator, mm-hmm. you know, and a guy that tinkered in the garage. And he had a kid named Craig, Craig Turner. Yeah. And Craig raced, and he, mm-hmm. was, he was really good. And Craig needed better bikes. So I think uh, – Gary actually did like musical instruments and stuff. He tinkered, made guitars or something. Now he's in a he's in a like, crazy funny car drag Craig, stuff, right? Craig. Well, Craig Craig became LAPD for twenty or thirty years, oh, okay. and now he's resurrected GT. Yeah, but now there's two GTs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they but they get confusing. and but they get along and they work together. Eh, kind yeah, of maybe. I, I don't know. I filmed, anyway, I filmed a, a video of GT for GT. But the two different GTs. Super so I, weird. I, I want to keep just asking questions now. There's yeah, two GTs. There's but two let's GTs. Go back to but Gary, Gary Turner turns into so, Rich Long. So Gary Turner is making these bikes mm-hmm. for Craig and some other real fast local Southern California guys. And then Rich had a bike shop. It was, I think it was called Anaheim Anaheim Bike Center. Okay. And so everybody kept coming in and wanting to buy these GTs. And Rich would sell the GTs for Gary. In the bike shop, and then eventually, Rich, who's just a, he was just a good business guy, he told Gary, "You got to pick it up. You got to make more bikes, make more frames, forks, bars, whatever you're doing over there, because I'm selling them like crazy." And then eventually, Rich just closed. He just closed the bike shop down, and they got a building right over in Santa Ana, close to where we are, and they just partnered up. So I think they were fifty fifty, and at one point. They might have brought in another guy as an investor too, and then they got rid of the investor guy, and it was just them. And I don't know what the breakdown was, but I'm sure Rich was the majority mm-hmm. owner in GT for driving sure. force. He was the majority owner. He ran the place. He was the guy. Um, Gary was the figurehead, so Gary was the fabricator. They'd always use his face. He'd have the welding mask. It was, the, it was he was the figurehead of the brand, but Rich Long basically owned it and ran it. And then did he did he just take it over eventually by the time you're dealing with it? Or is no, Gary still I mean, part Gary of it? Gary was always around. Okay. So I met the Long family. Um, and we say in the book it's a long story. Yeah. Um, but that's their last name. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's Melissa. <laughs> Melissa's, the, Melissa's the writer in the family. So she, she coined that tagline. But uh, now I'm going to work with them sometimes. And I'm hanging out with them. I'm going to the races. They took me to some national races where we couldn't participate but we were watching the gt team in action mm-hmm. you know i met all the guys like the freestyle guys eddie fiola it was the same year they came out with the pro performer the frame with the curve down tube mm-hmm. which was like the best selling bmx bike ever i think um it was it was unreal it was absolutely unreal and then being around their building and being family friends they would bring me home work at night like i would bag number plates for money and i don't know if i tell that story in the book but uh I think Rich kind of saw early on that I was crafty too because one time I asked him if I could do some work and make some extra money and buy some parts or whatever. And he said, yeah, that's cool. He brought home a bunch of number plates and a bunch of poly bags and the header cards. And he said, "Let's. I'll just have you sit in here. And I set up in his, in his billiards room and I put the plates in the bags and stapled the header cards on. He said, at the end of the night, we'll figure out how much money to pay you based on how fast you did it. And I was maybe 12 or 13 and I thought – I'm going to go super slow. I'm just going to go super slow. <laughs> so every time he'd come in the room, I'd 
start, you know, picking up the pace, mm-hmm. and then he'd leave the room and probably just slow way down again. <laughs> then the next time I did it, a few days later or whatever, he brought them all home, and I just hammered them out. So he hammered them out. So he figured it out. He was like, "Okay, I'm going to pay you 25 cents a plate based on how many you got done tonight." Yeah. And then the next night, I just went crazy with it. <laughs> and then when he went and counted them up and counted them up again, and then like, he was like. You're messing with me. Something happened yeah. here. I, I went too far with it. Yeah. I should have like, I should have <laughs> just gradually worked it in there. But yeah, and then then he was like, "Okay, now it's now we're going back to five cents a plate yeah. or something." I went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, he was like, oh. he probably liked that though. He like, kind of like, he was like, "I think I kind of like this kid." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He probably appreciated the hustle. Yeah, but. and he and he had two kids, and they both rode, but they weren't. They'd already done it. Like the older son, Jeff, who was my age. He's passed away now, unfortunately, mm. but, um, and so is rich too. Oh, Actually, yeah. they're both gone, but, uh, Jeff raced so much when he was like six, seven and eight that by the time he, he were like 12 or 13, he was burnt. Yeah. He was like retired. He was done <laughs> with it, but I was just getting going. Cause I was kind of a late starter, you know? And he thought Jeff always thought it was kind of cool that I was so fired up on it. Cause he was already burnt out on it, but I kind of got him fired up again when yeah. I got into it. So yeah, I traveled with them a lot, and I, uh, man, they hooked it up. They got me bikes and gear and everything. We'll be right back. Hey, sketch comedy fans! If you like unapologetically uncensored comedy, check out Instant Microwave Fuzz, recorded every week, hot and fresh, and straight out of the microwave. Unscripted jokes, uncensored guests—you're going to have a lot of outrageous improvised sketch comedy fun. You can find us on all the platforms under Instant Microwave Fuzz. Comedy made in an instant. So were you, were they showing you kind of the manufacturing side too? I guess that's kind of what I'm getting well, at. Well, what, what happened, like... this, is, this is how it happened. Rich kind of pawned me off on a guy that was sharing space in his building, Chuck Robinson. Chuck Robinson had his own brand called Robinson mm-hmm. Racing. My first bike. Okay, so Chuck, Chuck had some problems. He had some major drinking problems, but, but he'd been around forever. He worked for Webco. He worked for all these different brands. He was a team manager. He ran all this stuff. He was like the guy out on the scene he always picked the best riders he you know he found gary ellis Hmm. he would he was like the farm team for gt so rich Hmm. knew he was on hard times and rich moved him into the building and just let him have an office and then gt made the robinson bikes and then that's how chuck was continuing to stay in business and he just introduced me to chuck and said chuck you know this kid's gonna help you so i worked for chuck so i would answer the phone I would sticker dudes bikes like Travis Chipres and these other pros would come in go to lunch with Chuck and I'd sticker their bikes and clean their bikes, answer the phone, whatever. I did do all type. By this time I'm like 13, you know, 13, 14. What do you, do your parents, are your parents are chilling and like, Oh yeah, go do it. My parents, I don't know what was going on with my parents. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't You're just traveling around with a group of dudes, like 12 years old. Like, I don't know. I look back. It's a different time. I mean, you got hit by a car and they're like, yeah, we'll take a bike. Yeah, and they, were, and they were cool. They were super cool. They were like, yeah, that's cool. Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Let's go get the bike. But yeah. they didn't want to press charges. They didn't freak out on the guy. Yeah. Different, think, different time. Totally different time. I had really young parents, like teenage parents. Okay. So even when I'm 12, my parents are only like 30. Okay, yeah. You know, I think my mom was like 18 or something 
or she was 16 when she had my brother and maybe she was like 19 when she had me crazy so yeah. young parents yeah so i think they're just doing their own thing letting us roam yeah but so i look back on it now though and it is kind of gnarly because i have kids i have two girls and i that guy chuck was was really good at taking me to tracks showing me how to set up my bike telling me what gear i should be running like with sprockets and telling me how to ride and he was like a coach like a racing coach and it really helped i mean he really he took me to places i'd have never gone without him taking me there like he drove me down here to race at rancho mm -hmm. in san diego i'd have never come down here no one would have taken me to rancho he did just drove me all the way here and he got confused and thought the race was at Jack Murphy Stadium. We drove to Jack Murphy Stadium and it was empty. And he was like, "Oh man, last time we came down here, this is where the race was." And I was they had like, a race at Jack Murphy Stadium yeah. in the parking lot. Wow, That's crazy! So then we go over to Rancho, race there. He took me up to De Devonshire Downs, up in like the valley or something, and he would take me to Ascot in LA, take me to all these places. But turns out later, you know, unfortunately, and I kind of figured it out early, but he was a kitty fiddler. Oh fuck. I thought you were going to go there with what you said about the girls. It, and I was like, and this is what freaks me out thinking about it now that he would come over to my house to pick me up. And he's an old dude, you know, and he liked to drink Jack Daniels and smoke weed. And I don't know what else he was doing, but he'd come over to my house and hang out with my parents. And I knew pretty early on that he was something was off. Kitty fiddler. I knew you it. knew though. I knew it, but I, I just basically told him so many words numerous times. You even like go there at all with me. And you're going to have a major problem. Fucking bizarre. How old were you? 13. Crazy. And this dude, how did you find out about all this? You, how did you know? I found you out later. Kind of see I, I, this is a little dark, but yeah. I found out later because we drove to a race in uh, Phoenix. And two of the guys that went with us were brothers. They were on the team. Mm -hmm. And one of the brothers was racing. And then the other brother was back at the hotel. And Chuck was back at the hotel with them. And, the, and then the older brother went to the hotel when he opened the door to the hotel. Fuck. He saw it happening, and he freaked out, told him he was going to kill him, whatever. The dude got in the car and left, and I don't, I don't remember how we got home because we were stranded at that point. And the fallout on that, the crazy fallout on that is that the, the younger kid is fine, I guess, to this day, but his older brother recently killed himself, Fuck. and Chuck also killed himself. Jesus Christ. In his office, I know about in his office at GT with a gun in his mouth, <laughs> blew his head off in his own office. I mean, man, someone living with that much shit. What, what, year, is that? All, what all, year is that? Is, did he kill himself? Yeah. Um, I was already doing S&M, and I would go over there, and they were building my bikes at GT for me, and I would hang out with them, and he was still alive. So when he did it, it was probably like 91. Crazy. Crazy. Did yeah. he get called out on all that? Or Yeah, he got caught. I yeah. think he got caught with some other kids somewhere else, and it was all about to hit the fan. The older brother never told, though? Like the older said. brother never told me. I think he kept it in. And he felt responsible because yeah. he left the little brother at the hotel, and he he, le he just took off. You said he left in a car. Yeah, it, no, 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 no. The the, the Chuck dude did. The Chuck just dude he left. Yeah, and, he and the older brother recently just killed himself. Yeah, fuck. And it's been on his like that's been messing him up Sad. for decades. You know? Yeah, I could see that. that the responsibility, the worst, of, man. That's of, the worst. You know, yeah. So trusting somebody. So now you, have you know. But anyway, so all that. Yeah, was, I went down all a path. that. Yeah, that was creepy. Anyway, <laughs> don't, I, I wouldn't send your kids to the races with just anybody. Like, yeah. If my kids are going anywhere with anybody, I'm going to dig in deep and yeah. figure out what these people are all about. Yeah. I'm mm -hmm. not just, especially yeah. girls. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you uh, got to teach them how to fight, too, you know? 
where to hit. <laughs> yell and hit, man. Yell, yeah, don't hit, don't run. let them do that. You fucking yeah. So anyway, I can wrap that up. Long story yep. longer, but I can wrap that up pretty quick by saying that I'm now a Robinson sponsored racer, mm-hmm. and I'm just psyched on Robinson. I know the dude's creepy, but I already had another bike shop sponsor that was a like a creepy drug dealer, <laughs> so I already knew what creepy yeah. stuff was. BMX was just creepy. Yeah. Everything in BMX is creepy. People are dealing <laughs> drugs, fiddling kids, whatever. It's all going on. I'm not kidding you. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not, not really laughing as it's yeah. funny. Just like fuck. You think, it, you think just like most business industries get like I, that, though, people at the I top are kind of weird sometimes? Or is I don't it just know. I don't know what was going Southern on Southern California BMX. And we can get into weird. that because you were at the top for a little while, so maybe. Yeah, I don't know what was going on back then. Is it still then, weird like that at the top? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it is, Better honestly. Not be but I'm a Robinson dude. I've had to pee yeah. for a second. You guys keep going. I'm a Robinson-sponsored kid. Like, I'm on the yeah. support team or whatever. And this is where all the stars align for me is. My buddy who had jumps, Mike, our spot was called Lucky's. It was across the street from the Lucky Supermarket. The guys from BMX Action Magazine, Gork, mm-hmm. that's who it was. This is like 85. Gork calls them and says, hey, we want to come to your spot, and we want to do a photo shoot there for this feature we're doing now called uh, uh, Local Thrashing. Okay. And Mike was like, cool. Um, so Mike only invites me. Because we're tight, and he doesn't want all the other dudes that ride there to come and possibly get in the magazine. He wants to increase our odds. Yeah. And Mike's like a brainiac math guy. So he wants to increase our odds of getting in the magazine. So that's what he does. And then Wendy shows up to shoot the photos. Gork's there. And and he, Mike describes it in this book a little bit that he, th- he thinks I'm having like some kind of out-of-body experience at that time. And maybe I was because I didn't really jump, do tricks. Mm-hmm. I just raced. And rode around like a just like a crazy person but uh that particular day i just started i, I guess i just did a bunch of shit a bunch of tricks but whatever. you don't remember so maybe it was no i remember because they all most of them got put in the mag oh, okay but it was from that photo shoot in 85 with wendy at the lucky's trails is that, that the is that the where you're not you didn't even pull it it was like the no foot can x no, up or that's, something that's that way later, later. Okay. this is where i'm just doing motocross dudes like okay. ricky johnson i'm doing the el cajon zone ricky johnson one-hander mm-hmm. i'm doing the bob Hanna visor buzzer where the visor pops okay. off the helmet i'm just imitating motocross dudes basically on okay. the bmx bike but they're this is shit people weren't really doing you know and they were psyched and so they, freestyle back then was just like kind of more flat ground. Free, freestyle was flatland or ramps. Okay. It was flatland or ramps. There was no such thing as dirt jumping. Like it just didn't exist. And ramp was just quarter pipe, right? Ramp was eight foot wide, eight foot tall. Pedal, quarter pipe. Pedal, quarter pipe, no coping even. That's fucking crazy. That it was, was the first crazy. thing. That's so random. It was super crazy. So, like, from so, flat ground, it just blasts this eight yeah. foot skinny like quarter. Full, full crank, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those guys were, they were good, though. They're they good were good. It. They and, were good. I was like Ron wanna, Wilkerson and dudes like that, right? Yeah, or even before. Even before Wilkerson. But okay. um, you don't want to drift off the side of that ramp. No. But, so, the photo shoot goes really good. Like, I'm like Mike thinks I'm having that out-of-body experience for some reason. And I'm um, doing the tricks, and then... They end up calling back then you do a photo shoot and the magazine wouldn't come out for two months. Mm-hmm. So you never knew how it went. You didn't check the camera and see how the shots looked. You'd just go home and go, Oh man, I hope, yeah, I hope something comes of that, you know, but they called Mike BMX action magazine called Mike and said, Hey, we want to meet up with your buddy and we want him to be our test rider, our new test rider. So I think the dudes that were on their way out were like RL Osborne, Mike Buff, Toby Henderson, 
these were the test riders. Which are some names. They were big names, yeah. and they were really, really good riders. Is yeah. that like Flow Dudes? What's a test, no, what's test, a test rider, rider was what the magazine would review bicycles. Oh, okay. And every month, it was like the biggest feature in the mag. It was like 10 pages, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And they would take like, you know, the new such and such, you know, ST, you know, 2000, and then they would test it. And, you know, they'd say, oh, it's good or it's bad or the cranks weren't very good or the geometry's <laughs> funky or whatever. It's all basically like just a way to stroke advertisers and get yeah. their bike and kind of maybe pick on a few little things but yeah. without just bashing it. And well, that's why, that's the, that's the reason why we quit those bike reviews because everybody they became so real. fucking sensitive. They weren't real. Was, yeah. And it's so, kind of interesting, too, because to be a test rider, you'd have to have no sponsor, right? Basically. No. Right? You, well, I worked I'm, that angle big time when I started <laughs> S&M because I, I would just like plaster everything in S&M. Mm. Oh really? So it was an S and M ad every time you were testing every another bike. single time, and I'd get paid. For and you talk shit on the bike. Sometimes I'd no. talk shit on yeah. the bike. Uh, but it, one it time, would, like, it one get, time, it'd get filtered through the here's editors. A, here's like, a funny, that's insane yeah. that that was like allowed. Like, yeah, we're gonna let this dude promote our new GT. Oh, while I, I ran. Just wrapped in I was like outfit. 15, 16 and running like crazy with it. I don't know why somebody needed to put the brakes on my program <laughs> big time, but they didn't. So one time I came down here to Haro and we were going to pick up the bike to go on the test and we're going to do it somewhere around Haro and Bob comes out and he still like ran it, you know, mm -hmm. this is in the early days of, of Haro. It was like 86 and Bob pulls me to the side and he goes, he goes, man, and Bob's, Bob's the inventor of freestyle and he was a killer rider. You know, You'd he wasn't he's really the inventor of it all. Inventor. Yeah. yeah. He invented the sport of freestyle. That's Just like Scott Breithop invented racing. Yep. Bob Haro invented freestyle. <clears throat> Crazy. So Bob pulls me to the side in the parking lot at Haro, and he goes, he goes, man, I've been watching, you know, what you're doing, and it's cool. He's like, but come on. He's like, do me a favor. Do me a big favor. Take it easy on this bike. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, like, give it a nice review? Yeah, he's like, don't wreck it. Because I would just, it. I would oh. wreck. Like, not just wreck. I would wreck wreck these bikes. Like, you, they'd basically, I'd just throw them down, and they'd be unrideable. Huh. So he tells me. Because they're Take, mainly shitty bikes. They're shitty bikes. bikes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're shitty bikes. And uh, he's like, "Wow, what a what a bad idea to let people test your bikes. Your shitty bike." I know. Well, looking back, <laughs> well, that was a, that was the level. That I think that's a testament to the level of where it was acceptable for a bike to be, and then where yeah. freestyle and BMX was going was progressing faster than it the didn't bikes. make any sense what they should yeah. have done was they should for have the said, company it makes no sense but for yes. bmx moving at forward, the beginning no, of every photo shoot every test they would they should have said to me chris this is a 300 dollars bike mm. test it as a 300 dollars bike yeah. this is a 600 this bike. bike's for eight-year-olds right who haven't but, rode yet but i don't care you know and, and they're telling me we want the best photos possible so that's my goal yeah. best photos possible so bob pulls me aside take it easy on the bike and i was like yeah yeah yeah, that's cool bob i got in the van like, i am gonna <laughs> fuck this bike up so bad like worse than any bike ever just because he said that he asked me to take it easy on. i was like i'm not taking it easy on it yeah so it's like the forks the cranks the bars just everything just like, folded Bleh. and in one hand it was good back then because i could do crazy shit land flat do whatever and the bike would take it mm. Not like yeah. now, because yeah. yeah. now when you land, the bike is so solid, either something's going to catastrophically yeah, brittle, just... like snap because it's brittle, mm -hmm. like bink, which is terrible, Yeah. or the bike's not going to move at all, and you're just going to go, oh, yeah. and your body's going to take it. But back then, the pedals, the cranks, the bars, the Everything force, just flexed. the wheels, just the whole bike was like, ah, and I would just get <laughs> off and go, Ugh. 
Like, Indianapolis, this gets home. a one out of ten. Another yeah. one out of ten. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, like, you get a little check. Like, yeah. No, I get like at first I'd get like fifty dollars, and uh, then I was like, oh come, on, we got to bump this up. And it was like seventy five, a hundred. And I started like starting to ask for more money on these yeah. tests. And then eventually I started writing them, actually writing the tests myself because mm. I could write. Um, and then it, that whole thing grew into a job. Yeah, at the magazine. And that was that was BMX Action at that point. That was BMX Action. They also did freestyling. And so um, you did work for freestyling, mm-hmm. and that you did work for. Well, Go. we did Homeboy. We did Homeboy magazine. Okay. We did. Uh, what is this? A BMX full web uh, magazine. Wizard Publications was in Torrance, and they did BMX Action. Was the first title that Bob Osborne, the 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 owner and founder, did, and then they branched off to do freestyling, and then they wanted to do Homeboy magazine because they wanted to get more skating in there mm-hmm. it's freestyling they started to get more and more skate and freestyling and it was weird it was like half bmx half skate yeah and then they started homeboy which was more like barely any bmx mainly skate with a little bit of music huh you know like early chili peppers fishbone all those kind of bands from like the you know mm-hmm. 87 era so i'm over there so yeah already like i'm only 16 and i've been at gt with chuck robinson now i'm racing all over the place i rode for pedal power bike shop mm-hmm. that was the crazy drug operation yeah. he's 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 gone now too he's dead he had a some drug induced stroke and died Fuck. so he's gone um but i was over there then i was at robinson gt then i'm at bmx action freestyle and homeboy so by the time it's i'm 16 86 i've already been all over the place and i'm like all these bikes suck all these brands are corny as hell they were all, all the brands were kind of like, I always got a, like a weird, like a softball team vibe, you know, where everyone's in matching outfits mm-hmm. and I just, that's how it was back then, right? That's how it was. Yeah. But I was, I was at downtown Huntington. I went to Dwyer middle school where you guys do all the photo shoots with, you know, Dak and everybody Huntington high. Half my friends were pro becoming pro surfers, pro skateboarders. Ricky Barnes was the first black label sponsored skaters, mm-hmm. friend of mine. Couple so you're my, seeing these industries like they're going in a good direction and we're staying yep. at this weird like jockeys. Some of, of my friends were becoming pro skateboarders. Some of them were becoming pro surfers. Motocross was lame. It was just so lame back then. So we weren't really feeling the motocross vibe at that point. But the skating and surfing was cool. Snowboarding was just barely starting at that point. And I wanted to bring that to BMX. Mm-hmm. So I knew the bikes were all terrible because I'd been testing them. Yep. So... I met up with a couple of different dudes and ran my idea by them about starting my own little brand. And mainly people thought I was just out of my mind because I'm in 11th grade mm-hmm. and I'm 16. <laughs> and they're like, dude, you're out of your mind. And I was like, no, I'm, we are going to make this happen. you know. And I first pitched it to my friend Mike Smith who built the trails where we did the photo shoot. Mm-hmm. But he was getting ready to go to UCLA. And he was super smart and I knew that was the dude I wanted to be involved with because he was such a brainiac and i was like he's gonna run the numbers and he's gonna run all that and i'm just gonna run around and be an idiot you know <laughs> and he was like nah i'm going to ucla yeah, you're an idiot nah and then he's a little, uh, little older than you he's like, like two years older yeah, than yeah. me or something yeah so then i had this other guy that i just started riding with a lot that worked at a local bike shop named greg greg swingrover mm-hmm. just happens both their last names were s yeah it was gonna be s and m either way isn't that weird yeah and greg was a super <laughs> cool dude and he had a car and i didn't and he would drive. He raced and dirt jumped, which wasn't really a thing, but we were making it a thing. Dirt jumps were practice tracks for BMX racers up till mm-hmm. this point. Huh. And then we started like 
throwing tricks and nobody really was doing were you built did you start building the jumps different for tricks uh, i feel like because where, yeah it, the fly out mm-hmm. jump at first was kind of like oh you can get air on a, on a fly out jump um and then yeah jump started to get a little gap started getting a little bigger trannies never really got that steep which made it hard to do tricks because mm-hmm. you weren't really going up you're going out it was always point a to point b like 15 foot gaps mm-hmm. and you do a trick in there you're not going up. You don't have yeah. any hang time. Yeah. So you're, that's what we were dealing with back then. But anyway, Greg was, Greg was sweet and I ran the idea by him and he was down and we uh, went to cook brothers, which was a manufacturer in Santa Ana, right around the corner from where we are now. And this dude talk about crazy ass dudes. This dude was like at the time he'd bought this company and he'd been like, like smuggling cocaine from Central America and these crazy Jeeps with these roll cages and he had all these reptiles all over the place and another was, another BMX business yeah, guy. Yeah. But this dude was like <laughs> this dude was nuts nuts. And, on another level. <laughs> and and I came in on that scene and I was like, I I love this dude. And he liked Wait, me. Did, hold on, did I did I glance over? Was he putting cocaine in the reptiles? Or no. was he smuggling cocaine? I don't and know, reptiles? man. He had these crazy like Cherokees with roll cages and uh-huh. he would go down to Costa Rica or Nicaragua. I don't know where he was. And he'd drive him all the way back here. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, so he's still alive. You're like, this yeah, guy you don't want to pay money. Maybe. Maybe. this guy on the podcast too one day. <laughs> yeah, Sounds right. interesting. I don't know if he's around anymore. So where did you get the capital for allegedly. this to start S&M? Because, so, because yeah, I every... with, what, what happened with this guy? You were interested well, in him? Oh, well, the guy with the reptiles? Yeah. So he had this shop right around the corner from where my shop is now. And he was building frames, forks, and bars. The same, same. Everybody built their own stuff back then. Mm-hmm. You could go. There were like in San Diego County, San Bernardino, L.A., Orange County, um, you Riverside had a company, County. You built it too. Yeah. Because like there's, just not, a, there's just not a network we're the, of stuff. we're the only ones yeah. now. Yeah. But yeah. when I was a kid, every brand. That's why you're on a factory team because your brand had a factory. <laughs> Now nobody, I've literally never thought about that. Now either. nobody has a factory. Yeah. You know, guys are factory riders. Where's the factory? Well, it's in China. I mean, even with like little <laughs> t-shirt brands, after you get a couple months, you're like, we got to go to Taiwan. Yeah. It's like, oh, damn. Dude, no. we, yeah. used to print, we used to print our own t-shirts. Yeah. I used to have Jimmy LeVan back there pulling squeegee. Which is sick. <laughs> you just boom, do them up, yeah. skip them out. Small runs, yeah. whatever. It was It was o- super cool. produce anything. Yeah, it was super cool. But so anyway, we go to this guy, the reptile guy who may or may not be around anymore. I'm not sure. Uh, he's probably a and, billionaire in Malibu. No, he's not. <laughs> if he's, or if he's around, yeah. He's not dead. He's not dead. But anyway, he's a, he's a friend of yours still. Isn't he's he? a cool-ass dude. He's a cool-ass dude. I always Damn love it. going over there. Yeah. Um, so we tell him what we want to do, and I'm like super specific. Geometry. That I was more about geometry because bikes were all jacked up back then. The back ends were like 15 inches long and the front ends were like 18 inches long. That's mm-hmm. what a bike was. Yeah. It was all back end, and no front end. I was like, we need to, and Chuck Robinson started instilling that in me really early. Like, this is what's wrong with BMX bikes. They need to have short back ends and the front end needs to be longer. And then that's what he would always pitch to me, but no one was making those changes. So... I got a couple of frames that I really liked. One was a Robinson because mm-hmm. I loved it. One was a Profile because they used to make frames back in the day. Wow. One was a Profile. One was a Robinson. And one was actually like almost a signature bike that I had with the previous bike shop sponsor, the, the guy that's gone now. Um, it was called a Privateer. And I took those bikes all in 
and I worked with, with this guy and we developed the very first prototype S&M. Um, and then, yeah, where did you get what? the money? He charged me. I said, we want to get two. So Greg can have one. I can have one. And then we're going to test them and figure out if we like them. And he was like 1500 He wanted 1500 for two frames. That's a lot. In 1986 or whatever yeah. it was. Um, so where did we get that money? I think Greg's parents loaned it to us. Okay. Because we didn't have it. Maybe we had half of it or something, but we borrowed it from his parents or something. We get the two frames. I immediately threw my frame in a, I kind of like hitched a ride with this family and I was going to Colorado Springs for some race and a dirt jump contest. And I had my previous bike still built up. And when I got to Colorado Springs, I built up that frame and the pictures of me riding that frame are in the book. I built it up in the parking lot, did the dirt jumping comp, won the dirt jumping comp, race 16 X or whatever. So no money in the racing, but I made a little bit of money in the dirt comp. And that was a wild day because I got into it with this dude. Like I was the only one that did three sixties. No one could do a three sixty over doubles back then. No one, but I, that was my thing. It was mm-hmm. a three sixty over the double. So I'd show up in the crowd and start chanting my name, you know, and they were three sixty, they out three sixty. <laughs> it was like the backflip before the backflip. Yeah. And then I would like wind it up almost and, just huck this just goofy 360 but i could but i could land them and the place would just, places would go bananas <laughs> i'd never seen anything like it no one ever done a 360 and it won the contest double. i won the contest but i got into it with this kid that was super good and this kid did a 360 perfect and it was the first one he ever did in his whole life over a double so then i was like fuck this kid yeah. i did a 720 and I crashed so hard. I tried a 720 for the first time. And I came around the second time and just whack, hit my head. Oh, my God. And with a helmet and everything. And was like just dazed and confused. But the crowd went ballistic. And it was whoever got the crowd the loudest won. <laughs> okay? So I win. I win the car. Hey, that was the rules. I think I, I think I remember who the, who the, the other kid, kid was. And the kid that did the three perfectly but then lost the comp. Uh, he tried the 722. And then he busted his ass. And then after the comp, I was kind of stuck in Colorado Springs because the family I hitchhiked with went back to California. And there was a, a race in Utah the very next weekend in Salt Lake City. And I told this kid, I was like, dude, you're, you're rad. Like, where do you live? He's like, I live in Salt Lake City. And I said, well, shit, uh, can I jump in your car and go with you to Salt Lake City? Because I'm trying to get out there for that race and I have no ride. And he's like, yeah, get in was fuzzy yep. wow yeah. man fuzzy, fuzzy hall and you yeah. competing at the doubles contest it was so fuzzy sick. so then i go to salt lake city was his 360 better than yours way better <laughs> <laughs> of course but i got the crowd louder because i was like i hammed it up i did the 720 i tried you know i was like yeah it's like a professional wrestler or something it was like the corniest <laughs> shit ever but i didn't care i was like yeah i gotta get that hundred bucks yeah. yeah i gotta get that hundred bucks this kid's clearly better than me but i'm gonna take the hundred bucks yeah period and then I'm gonna jump in his car, stay at his house for a week <laughs> for free, which is what I did. And then get the other hundred bucks. There and then the next it. weekend was just a race. There was no jumping comp, but that's how I met Fuzzy. And then I spent the whole week with them, and we had so much fun that week. The craziest shit happened that week. Like when I first rolled up to his buddy's Steve Spencer's house, they had the video of the dirt jumping contest. <laughs> Somebody had a big ass VHS camera, and they videoed the contest. And now I'm sitting on the couch, and they must have forgot what they filmed. So oh, man. I'm sitting on the couch and Home they put it on. talking they, shit of you. Oh, so bad. <laughs> oh, my so God. So bad. Like, 
fuck him up, Buzz. That guy's a goon. Look at that <laughs> shit. You know, look how squirrely he is. And then when I won, they were like, oh, that's bullshit. And now I'm in the living room, like, watching the video and they're like oh they forgot everything that they sorry dude yeah. we didn't yeah, like we you did. a week ago yeah. we didn't know <laughs> you now, now, we're all, now we're like we're all best friends yeah. you know? and the best thing about that was we went to a local track and met up with fuzz's friend this guy alan something and we just messed with him so bad he was they were like uh introduced me as just like billy or something and so Fuzz was like, hey, what do you think about that BMX action test rider? You know, that new guy. And oh, this guy's shit. like, oh, that guy sucks and blah, blah, blah. That shit's all fake. He doesn't pull anything. You know, it's, you know, just talks so much crazy shit. And then when you get to the local race, I put my race gear on in front of the dude. And it says, you know, like Mad Dog or Moeller or whatever. And, yeah. and, and we remember, I remember looking at the guy and he was just like, <sighs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's the dude. They just... <laughs> Fucked with me so bad <laughs> for hours. Yeah. This guy talked shit, and then I you put the gear on. He was like, "Oh," and then he's trying to, you know, yeah, smooth, smooth it, it over. over. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I didn't mean all that stuff the last couple yeah. Of days, man. Yeah, but right after that, uh, the people at BMX Action were so hyped on Fuzzy, he became a test rider too. Yeah. So nice. then we were like, we were the crew. Yeah, we were. It was a two man team. It was me and Fuzz, and then. A few years later, another SM writer, uh, Brian Hernandez, became a test rider. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's how I met Fuzz. That's how he became a BMX action test rider. And then and we the- should have probably put him on SM. Honestly, like he came out of California. That would really well. It would have. He was never. I couldn't pay him. He was always on Mongoose, right? No, at first he was on Robinson. Okay. He got on Robinson because after Chuck started getting squirrely, GT just kind of, they were like, we'll just run it. You know, mm-hmm. and they just let Chuck sit in his office and drink Jack Daniels and think he was running it, but they ran it. Yeah. And uh, they put Fuzz on Robinson mm. and they could pay him. I couldn't pay him, number one. And number two, I was like, I don't need him because I do the same shit he does. Like, yeah. I'm getting just as much hype or more than he is. Why am I going to pay him? So, myself. If there's any he, money, I'm going to take and it. And I forget, Fuzz was a racer too, right? Yeah, racer he was number. a really good racer. Yeah. Yeah, he was, but he's Fuzz's riding style is so smooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And clean, and even when he raced, it was like smooth and clean. Whereas, I, I'll just t-bone you, you know, <laughs> just put you over the fence. We'll, we'll get into that too, yeah. I think. Um, so the first, the first S and M frame, obviously, did you make mu- uh, many changes after that, or was it uh, we kind made of a like few, we made a few changes to that particular one, um, but not major ones? And then the next step was I came back to Southern California after this little trip, and went to the local track and just told everybody, made a flyer or something. I was like. I'm making 20, we're going to make 25 of these. Mm-hmm. So pay us now. And they did. Everybody paid us. Wow. Cool. And I had all the money and I went back to my boy, reptile guy. Yeah. And I was like, here's the money, dude. Make them. And he made them and I did it again. Next time it was like 50. Then we did it again. Next time it was probably like 100. So was and there. We just kept turning it, but we'd get prepaid direct. And then we finally went to bike shops and started pitching the bike shops on it. You know, yeah. and this this like takes face us, to face pre-orders, face to face pre-orders. But people were like, I'd go to the track, do trade. Word of mouth was getting yeah. around at that point. Exactly. Yeah. And we'd pump up the crowd and get everybody fired up. And would you call the bike shop beforehand and be like, hey, you got that new S&M bike? And did then I you show you, we did used you to show do that? that? No, we, but I, I figured you did. Trick. Yeah. No, I had our team rider, this kid, Scott. <laughs> That's an old school trick. That's what we used to do. This Create demand. Like go in a couple of days later and be I, like, I, hey, I'm selling this frame. I actually learned yeah. that by reading a story about OP clothing. OP clothing started doing that. Mm, I don't even know what OP clothing is. You don't remember OP? Ocean Pacific? They made the little shorts. Yeah. 
yeah, corduroy shorts. Oh, Bingo. Okay. Huge, huge Webco. brand, 70s and 80s. Yeah. But they would call surf shops and ask for OP shorts, and they would say, we don't even know what that is. And I said, oh, okay. And then they'd do that week after week after week. That's what we did, too. And then after like a month of doing that, once a week, I had this kid, Scott, that wrote on the team, he had a call list of shops. And he'd call <laughs> them every week. And then the next week, he'd call them all. And we did that like three or four weeks. And then all of a sudden, he, he like someone else calls him and goes, oh, this is Greg from S&M Bikes. And we're, you, know, you guys want to buy a frame? They're like, man, so many people have been calling us about that frame. Yeah. <laughs> what do we got to do to get one? You know, it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> it was just us. No caller ID back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, use a different voice next time, man. <laughs> you know, like... Hey, it's funny how the S&M frame. I feel like all these strategies would work today, too. You they know? still like, would. If yeah. you just had like they a hungry little sixteen-year-old, if a little sixteen-year-old kid at the the park told me he wanted to start a company, I'd be like, hell yeah, that's yeah. amazing. You don't see that. You but know? where no are you going to go to get the frame made? That's the yeah, problem. Internet. That's the whole other thing. They won't make you one frame. No, they'd have to yeah. go to you. Burden. They'd have to somehow and, know and you. And I've done that, and I've done that through the years for a lot of people. Wasn't it? Would Solid made people frames too for a little bit. Right? Yeah, Solid made some frames They're for not, people. Not doing that anymore. No. I so mean, yeah, he, you couldn't go he anywhere. Started like, you like did. a yeah. goat. He does like a goat goat farm now. Huh. Aaron cool. from yeah. Solid. Yeah, yeah, they moved. Aaron Huff. They Shout moved. Out to Aaron. He's Shout a man. Out to Aaron. Yeah, he. I worked with him yep. through the years, but uh, made stuff for him. He made stuff for us. We went back and forth, and he, uh, yeah, he started a goat farm or something. Hmm. But uh, okay. goat yoga. Yeah. No, I don't know. That but um, that's the problem nowadays. You know, I couldn't do all this. Yeah. Because yeah. where are you going to go? You know, a different and if, time. And if that wouldn't have worked, if, when I went to that guy to get the frames made, if he had been like, I don't have time for your bull, then I'd have just gone to someone else. Yeah. And I'd have gone to someone else. Yeah. And then, you, you had know, options. So I did use that manufacturer for maybe like the first year only, and then they couldn't keep up. The guy just couldn't keep up. He had like one welder, you know, he couldn't keep up. So then I moved, we it's moved insane. to, uh, you're still 16 at this time? Still 16, 11th grade. And then I think we moved to uh, CW. was another big brand. They were in Fullerton or Anaheim or somewhere off like the 91 and the you know, 91 freeway out there um, in the 57. And then that was a much bigger brand. Uh, and so he made our frames for a while. Then we found out he was subcontracting them to someone else. So then I found out who the subcontractor was. And it was a, it was a header company that made these you know, pipes for drag boats. And I went over there and was like, listen, I'm the dude you're actually making this for, so let's cut them out and mm -hmm. let's just do this. Yeah, 20%, 20% right. cost savings. So we did that eventually. GT made our stuff there for a little bit. So we were bouncing around. I bounced around manufacturers and all the way until, uh, geez, 1999. Okay, so 12 years of bouncing around manufacturers. I was down here in National City. Our frames used to get made in National Casting. City. Caston, then, yeah. and even um, Mike Devitt moved down here to National City, too. Okay. With, and that's Dirt Master? It was like that era yeah. when he started that. He was the SE guy, but then he started Dirt Master. Yeah. Then at one point, when I was here in National City having stuff made, I get a call from a guy that's over the, the Ote Mesa uh, crossing, and he calls me. He's like, hey, I'm down here on the other side of Ote Mesa, and uh, I'm making your frames. That's down in Mexico. For yeah, yeah. yeah, Tijuana. And I was like, no, you're not. My frames are in National City. He's uh -oh. like, he's like no, 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 no. You think they are. They're actually here. Yeah. And I was like, I'm coming. So I jumped in the car, came down to the border. He met me at the McDonald's right there at the Ote Mesa crossing. He comes across, grabs me, puts me in his car. We drive to this Mexican bus repair shop. Huh. That's where our bikes are being made. <laughs> Crazy. And I'm and that's walking, doing I'm walking around in there. And I'm like, well, who are you working for? He's like, I'm working for Lynn Caston. Yeah. Like, Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the dude that 
started Redline, invented the BMX fork, yeah. the tubular BMX fork. He invented his smartest dude. He's down here in National City flying planes and doing aerospace stuff. He's a super smart engineer. He's just subbed it out. And he's making this margin. So I'm paying him like 100 and then he's paying this dude 75 and he's clearing 25 bucks. And then the frames come over the board. He never technically lied to me. He just said, yeah, I'll get your frames made. He yeah. was hustling a hustler. He was hustling a hustler, yeah. but <laughs> I found out because this dude wanted to go to the source yeah. and get a little bit This guy money. wanted to get paid 80 bucks. So two hours yeah. later, I'm in Mexico and not only are my bikes getting made in there, there's terrible ones in there. Oh, what year is this? Wait, I'm confused. This is, this this is... is later. But like I said, we didn't make our own frames until 99. Yeah. So I don't know, 95 yeah. or something. Damn, like, terrible one's been around that yeah. long. Fuck. Oh, yeah. So yeah. anyway, I called Joe. Making me feel old right now. Shit. What company you guys all rode for? Dirt, that, wor- dirt, dirt uh, Bros. Dirt Bros. Yeah. That was, kept, that was dirt me. Master was coming in That's why I, sometimes I used Sorry. to call Terrible no, Wand. Gary used to ride for Dirt Master, too. Okay. Yeah. We used yeah. to call it Terrible Wand. Yeah, Terrible Wand. Yeah. Because they were getting made in Mexico. Yeah. And I, I remember <laughs> coming back, calling Joe or Taj. I can't remember which one. And I said, man, I, I got some crazy-ass news for you. I was just in Mexico a few minutes ago, and your frames are being made in a bus repair shop. And they were like, no way. I go, yeah, dude. I just saw it. Yeah. Just saw it. So then I call Lynn Cast. But what does it matter, though, if they're doing a good job? I know. Doing but, good but, work. Yeah, and they were. I was just, I don't know. But you can't, like say made, you, can't, you can't say made in the USA if it's made in Mexico. Unless, well, after NAFTA, you can. You can say made in oh. America. Mm-mm. Made because, in North America. Because of NAFTA, if you're within like 100 miles of the border or something, you can, you can legally say made in USA. Really? Yeah, that's part of NAFTA hmm. okay. when it was first enacted. So that's why you got so many like automotive companies you know like hooker headers and all these automotive companies are all over the border hmm. you know even like paul schmidt skateboards you know ps sticks he's making all his boards all those like top skate brands get their boards made by paul ps sticks he's in tijuana oh wow our like we get chrome down in tijuana well that makes sense there's a lot we can, of stuff we can, I, that, I literally have chrome written on here but yeah like so like so, the business that we use for the plating is here in san diego but then so they pick up the stuff, bring it here, and then they take it across the border, kind of do the dirty work, yeah. And then they bring it back over, you know. And then, do you know it. that Chrome's like nasty, nasty shit? That's what I was yeah. thinking about yeah. this whole hundred miles from the border thing's got to be so bad for the environment because if you can't do it here, they're like, just it's always it. been like that, yeah, yeah. Because it's a free for all, basically. It's the wild west down yeah. there over yeah, the border. As, as long rules, as as long sure. as you take care of your employees, and that's where a lot of guys got in trouble like even Lynn Caston had an operation down there and he basically got kicked out of Mexico because in Mexico it's real it's real uh it's different than here you have to like take care of the employees in some way like not necessarily pay them a huge wage but you have to like feed them or something or provide all this other <laughs> they stuff have some sort of guidelines yeah. some kind yeah. of guidelines that are different than the states yeah. and well, I mean, I guess if you're going to, you know, if you're going to draw a line somewhere, it's got to be with humans, yeah. I would assume, right? But so. all this kind of leads us, all this kind of leads me to like how I actually ended up starting to make stuff myself. Because mm-hmm. up from, from 1987, when we started June of 87, all the way up to 1999, so, you know, 12 years, I was just outsourcing everything. And I was all over the place, like flat track motorcycle companies. I went and met one time with Jesse James wow. from West Coast Choppers before he had the TV show. This is a this is to get work done. I tried. It was a crazy story. So I'm looking through a, a like a chopper magazine, and there's this guy in the back in an ad that makes like chopper stuff, and he was in Signal Hill, yeah, Long Beach, Signal Hill area, and kind of like a rough little industrial area. So. I, uh, I called down there, spoke with his first wife, his very first wife. She ran the office and scheduled a meeting. 
And I went over to Signal Hill, met met Jesse James for a minute, and he was psyched because he was a BMXer when he was a kid, and had a killer operation going. He had like ten people weld in. Um, his wife was super cool. It, but basically, at the end of the day, they were too busy with their own work to even because I was just trying to get forks made at that yeah. point. And I ended up in Long Beach working with Mike Devitt at that time to do the original pitchfork. Okay. And he was in like a little Quonset hut in Long Beach, down Crazy. right like by uh, right by the port, whatever town that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Right by uh, seven ten. Fucking Wilmington. Wilmington, yeah. exactly. So, anyway, for twelve years, I'm doing this all day long, man. Just hustling, running around, getting fucked over. Dune buggy shops, uh, like exhaust shops, uh, off-road shops, header shops. Probably felt like shit, too, trying to do something so cool for BMX, and you're working with such, like, quality. quality. That's way all over the place. Nothing to do with BMX. I just wanted the right thing made, and that was the problem. But I was so out of my mind back then. I would show up in these shops. Things would be wrong. I'd throw stuff around, throw big tantrums. I was just like a psychopath, basically. <laughs> and I, I, I skipped over something. What the hell happened to Greg? Greg Swingrover? Yeah. So we started, he, we started he... in June of 87. And by maybe 1990, beginning of 1990, um, he got his girlfriend, who was a receptionist at GT, pregnant. They, mm-hmm. they got pregnant. I, I think it was maybe an accident. Uh I don't know. Sorry, Greg. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he basically took... I'm sure he's happy about it now. He had the full-time job at GT at that point, doing okay. sales or something. And I was traveling the country, traveling the world actually all the time. Just event, 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 event. Photo shoots, events, whatever. And I'm just always on the go. And he just said basically, man, I can't... Like, I can't keep up. Yeah. I can't keep up with this. I got to work. I got to provide for my daughter. More nine to five style. I got to just yeah. have a normal job because we aren't making any money. Yeah. I was just, whatever we made, I would just spend it on travel. And uh, he basically said, we owed a bunch of money to different suppliers and things like that. And he's like, look, if you want to just take care of all the debt, you can just have it. Yeah. Just have, have my part. Like, I don't even, I won't even be involved. So I had to take over his portion of all the debt. And then he also wanted like he wanted like a new mountain bike or something. So I bought him a new mountain bike and then uh, took over all the debt. And then from ninety, S and M was just all mine. Yeah. And, and he I mean I did it solo I've done it solo ever since. From nineteen ninety? Nineteen ninety, yeah. Um was I was it, I was twenty. Like just about to turn twenty when this happened. Like how much is the debt? Out of curiosity. I mean, I remember his he was on the hook for like probably four grand no, nothing, to somebody that I kind of bar- I bar- we borrowed it and needed to pay it back, <laughs> and it was it was uh it was like four grand. <laughs> the look you gave me, yeah. I was like, this is a nefar- uh, nefarious person, huh? Yeah, it's just I mean that's the way it was back yeah, then. Yeah, I was just telling someone the other day, like uh, someone asked me if I took you know like Venmo or something. I was like, dude, I don't, whatever. Call the girls in the office. We'll probably take anything. I mean, this company's yeah. always we'll just take whatever and. I was telling about this guy that owed me a lot of money. Like thousands. we'll take we'll take six uh, six uh, pieces of plywood at this point, right? No, so this yeah. this bike shop owes me a bunch of money, right? And I'm hounding them all the time. I'm like, dude, you have to pay me right now, or is this all no? Back, this is this back, back in like '90 yeah. when I took it over. Mm-hmm. I was like, you got to pay me. I need this money. And he's like, well, I, I'll be honest with you. He's like, I don't have any money, but I got a shit ton of weed. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. So he pulls up to the apartment and throws his cover off the pickup truck, and he's just got pounds and pounds of weed <laughs> wrapped in bundles. And he's like, it's yours. So I'm just hauling these pounds, bundles of weed into my apartment. I'm like, first of all, 
So I'm around my... weed constantly because my I mean BMX. Everybody smokes weed since day one, except me. I don't smoke weed, so I'm like, what am I? I gotta, I gotta sell fucking weed. So <laughs> I got to get just it. straight off the bush, or did they already have it trimmed up? No, it was it was like packed, like it came smuggled. It from was Mexico. bud. It was yeah. bud. Okay, so it was ready but to it was, sell. But it was it was like you know old school paper 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 bag over the paper bag. A few of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was, it was pounds, and back then it's I think so illegal back then too. I, you could yeah. like you could move a pound like for four hundred bucks or something, you know. But then if you break it up into eighths, quarters, whatever, you make a whole bunch more money. So I was like, oh man, what am I? Who'd you call? I didn't call anyone. Dude. Oh. I did it. <laughs> I just did it. I got a scale, just and I little told sacks. everyone in downtown Huntington Beach. Basically, I'd ride around on my BMX bike in nineteen ninety, and I would I would just have it on me. And I was just delivering to everybody. And then, I, but what got what I didn't like about it is these creepy ass people would show up at my apartment in the middle of the night, like all tweaked out on something else. And now they got to get the weed, you know. And I'm like, oh, dude, don't come over here anymore. So yeah. after I blew through it all, I got way more than the dude owed me. Nice. But then, I, you know, obviously, I'm yeah. done, I'm done yeah. with that. Yeah. But that's just like now they ask me, do you take Venmo? I'm like, dude, we take weed. We don't yeah, care. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you got, whatever you got, some stocks, some Bitcoin, Cadillac, yeah. Yeah. guns, yeah. Just give if us something. If it's worth money, we'll yeah. take it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it works that way in the office these days. Probably not. Probably Michaela. not. Yeah, yeah. Michael, I do not take weed. <laughs> do not take Bitcoin either. Yeah, I should tank today. Yeah, I know. I saw that. But uh, now we we take you know checks, cash. Actually, she doesn't even like taking cash because. Cash oh yeah, weird. that's just weird. Cash is weird. Yeah, because people will pay you, and then you say they paid paid you more than they paid you, and it's it's just not trackable, you know. So, I guess, you know, eighty seven to ninety nine. Was there ever a time period where you're like, this shit ain't working? Oh, multiple times. That's why I started contemplating, you know, starting our own shop, which just sounded like. A hor- I mean, it's not that's such not, a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a horrible idea. Like, all right, I'm I'm struggling. Let me so, just invest. This is how this is how it happened. So ninety five, I'm in a little building, two thousand square feet. Castillo's on the team. He's one of the dudes. Like there's shady. so many good dudes on shady. the team. He wasn't shady at that point. He was a good kid, <laughs> honestly. And he's a ripper, but he was a good kid. And we had Troy, a little shadier, a little shadier. Yeah. Um, McKinney, Butler, Bennett. I mean, we had a good squad yeah, a, in like ninety five. Yeah. But you're saying Castillo is shady because Castillo left S and M. It was a reference. It was joked to earlier. It's the way yeah. he left. Yeah, it's, it's like a, a, it's like a repeating. But the guests were at the Joker. The they're probably like, yeah, the, Brian Castillo shady. Yeah, no, he's like the I, least shady guy ever. Aside from sometimes your, they say jokes for one person yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he it's is a, the least shady guy. He's a good dude. He's a family dude. He's a good guy, and he was a shredder. But anyway, we're in 2,000 feet. We're bulging at the seams. I got all these manufacturing problems. Demand is way, you know, above supply Mm -hmm. you know and i'm in the car with castillo actually the ups driver comes in and says dude you got to get out of here this place is like you know splitting at the seams you got to get a bigger building there's a building around the corner that's for sale that's in foreclosure he told me and uh you need to move into that building this is the ups driver so brian was with me i go dude let's go look at it so me and castillo got in the car we drove over there and we just laughed we were like This place is huge. Like, there's no way we can afford this place at all, right? So I call the real estate agent, and they want like 550 grand for it. And I don't have like I don't have fucking 200 dollars, you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm barely paying the dudes. That Did everybody there. buy buildings back then? No, they didn't have rent. On I feel like this is a, this is an adventurous idea that he has, right? Well, now okay. Point. So there was so then right after that, I go, man, 
That's pretty sick, but that's a lot of money. And then I see hear this thing on the radio about a real estate seminar at the airport. And I thought, oh, this is crazy, but I'm going to go. So I go to the real estate seminar at the airport like the next day. And, and the main thing that they were pitching was like, what are you? Are you Mexican? Are you, you know, African-American? Are you Native American? Because you can get your building no money down, uh, low interest rate uh, loan from the government. No money down. Hmm. So I was like. Ancestry.com. No, I already knew I was Native American because <laughs> oh, okay. I'd been in Indian guides and all that. My, my, I had two grandparents, okay. one on each side of their full-blooded Native American. Oh, wow. Okay. So I was like, oh, hell yeah. I was like, I'm Native American. And I applied for the loan. I got it. We moved into the building. <laughs> Zero down. No money down. Fuck. Damn. And that's, is that the building? Damn. That's the building. The building. Damn. Still in it. Fuck. I just so crazy. This is ninety nine, or is this is ninety six. Fuck, that is crazy. So once we move into the building, the building's huge. Yeah, we have the huge party, right? Yeah. Volker comes, foot plants the extension. That crazy party with mm-hmm. Wilkerson and Blyther and all the dudes. Great party. That was like our ten year anniversary party. Yeah, and then I get this crazy call not long after that from this guy Ken Pentagraph that owned Elf Bicycles, and he just had all these problems in his business with some personal stuff and blah 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 and he tells me he's like chris this is ken i'm going out of business uh you want to buy my all my equipment because he's a manufacturer mm. and i go oh hell yeah so be this there. is like I'll be there in like 10 you know so i show up and i look around the shop benders welders saws everything you need to build bikes and i got a big ass building with nothing in it basically and i ask him i'm like well what do you want for all this ken you know and he said I was like, he's like, uh, like 25. I'll take you know, 35, 35 for all of it. And I thought, does he mean 35,000? Cause that's not a bad deal, but it seems a little high. Yeah. And I, but it's something in the back of my head was like, does this dude mean 3,500? Mm-hmm. Like, is he so strapped for cash that he just wants 3,500 right now? So I went outside. I had to kind of get my shit together. Yeah, yeah. I Don't went blow back this, in Chris. and I went, I went, how about this toolbox over here? Is this is this included? He's like, no, 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 no. I'll give throw the toolbox in for four grand. Do it all for four grand. And I, it's hard to go outside again because I couldn't believe. I was like, oh yeah, I'll be right back. I went to the bank, got the money, called the trucks, had the equipment movers come, picked up all the shit for four grand. Four grand. Wow. Oh my god. And now I'm in business. You're in there now. <laughs> Now I'm in business. Zero down on this beautiful place. <laughs> four grand. Four grand for everything and a nice toolbox. You bought a machine shop for $4,000. I really did, dude. And at first... Is that I, all the stuff you still use? I use... We use Most all of it, of it, probably. Oh, yeah. wow. No, no, no. We have tons of new pieces, yep. but that stuff's all still in there, and some of it still has the stickers on it. Elf sticker. And some of the some of the stuff he got from other brands, and those stickers... You know, like that's so crazy. That's so crazy that those machines can literally last for For, 80 years because I did that. The video hasn't come out yet, but like, uh, uh, the, the profile, when I did the profile, how it's made stuff, he Mm -hmm. has some, a machine called a swedger Mm -hmm. and he's like, this has, this has made every single profile crank that has ever been made. Boom, 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 boom. As it's it's spinning, we do that. Yeah. It's insane. It's like, all right, that's how we do our forks. forks Yeah. The same thing. It it bells it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. It pounds it in. Pounds it in. Pounds it in. When you swedge, you swedge it in. So that's how we do like steer tubes for forks. Mm -hmm. We swedge it in. So you start with something bigger, then you swedge it down and it becomes thicker and like 
more dense. Okay, that in makes a sense. smaller area. I had it opposite. But that's how like a profile crank starts as a tube. Yeah. Before they cut the miter on both ends and then put the piece in and then fold it over mm-hmm. and roll it down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, it's cra- it's crazy. It's crazy that those machines are. They last uh, forever. It's like yeah, it's something that doesn't lose value it's because they're lose... pure. They're purely mechanical. Yeah. They have no computers. They they don't even. A lot of times they might have like a hydraulic pump or something, but it's all very mechanical. You can swap it out. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it doesn't even have like a hydraulic pump. You just have to squirt like coolant on it by hand. Yeah. But this stuff's from the forties. Yeah. And the fifties, and it still works. We have a lot of that stuff in our shop to this day. So anyway, I hired shout one out, guy. Shout out to the guy at Elf. Yeah. What, what uh, where were they located out of? Anaheim. Anaheim. Okay. There's a ton of brands yeah. in Orange County that's back so then. Cra- that's so crazy that there was. I mean, there's still a lot of brands in Southern California, obviously. It's but just, you, BMX isn't just, as big as it was back then. BMX was so big. Yeah. You could go to any local track in like any town, and there'd be 50 motos. It'd go yeah. till midnight on yeah. a Friday night. I mean, it was racing was huge. What a Magoo had a. I wonder if it just spread out into different categories. Like you know, back then it was just condensed to racing well, some, and a little bit of freestyle. Now it's. There's every little piece of BMX. Yeah, I don't. At, Maybe that's. I mean, BMX was so big. Really? There's, there's. Well, like the, yeah, I would just go out on the freeway. Like, say you went out here on the eight, and you just were heading towards Arizona. Yeah. Cars. You would just see cars see. drive by you with bike racks and tons of bikes on the back mm. with number plates, and they're going to Yuma, or they're on their way to. I mean, they could be on their way to Tucson. I mean, well, think think about any, it. There's no, night. there's no, yeah. there's no real, there's no internet. There's no Xbox. There's no Nintendo. There's no iPhone. Yeah. There's no, there's yeah. there, everything you did was essentially something active or reading a book. And, you race, know, and like, racing was super cool, and you could and it was do brand it. new. You could do it in the clothes you're wearing right now. All yeah. you would need is a helmet. Yeah, the burden of injury wasn't and as, a bike. Yeah, yeah I don't need, need a carbon tie uh, and six sprockets to do it. Exactly. So, yeah. So it's become like so modern and high tech that's almost like intimidating to get yeah. into it yeah that's you know? that's a that's a plight of a lot so of things when we got all that equipment i hired one guy from gt because gt was uh starting to fold i think rich had already rich crashed his motorcycle and died and then the company went public and then it was like collapsing and everybody was getting laid off and i hired this one guy ken his name was ken harris hired him to come and set up our shop and when we set up our shop we weren't. We had no intentions at that time of actually building the production parts. We were going to prototype and sample. Mm. So I'd have a guy come to me, like you know, and say, "Oh, I want my head angle steeper. I want this stronger, back end shorter, whatever." We just build them one frame, and then he'd test it. And then if it was good, I would take that to another dune buggy shop or muffler shop or whatever bus shop, and I would say, "Make this," mm-hmm. and then th- that's how we did it. But Things started to get so weird with all these subcontractors that I finally just said, listen, dude, hire all the other dudes from GT and let's just start making our own stuff. And that was 99. And a lot of those guys like this guy, Rodrigo Contreras and um, uh, Felix, uh, like a lot of those guys that are still at our shop welding to this day came from GT in 2000. Wow. They've been there for 21 years. That's crazy. And Ken moved on. He's in charge of like R&D at Yoshimura now for like motorcycle exhaust for dirt bikes street bikes whatever but now jason ball runs the shop yeah and jason's worked with me for like probably close to 30 years that's crazy that's... he he went from like doing the shipping and the warehouse to now running the shop do you ever yeah, take do you ever insane. take a step back and go wow i got 
was it i mean is it luck is it is it right place right time is it you know like i it's all of it yeah yeah super lucky i got so lucky to meet the people i did and get put into the situations i did all i can say though is um i didn't really have a lot of talent honestly um but i worked my ass off like anytime yeah. Yeah. any like if a camera came out i was like it's on like what yeah. i'm going to do whatever yeah biggest like whatever the biggest gaps no one's even jumping them i'm gonna three it yeah whatever like and then Hastings. It, sounds like the same thing with business too <laughs> it like, was it's when exactly there was an opportunity you figured yeah. out how to make it work full speed yeah. it. which yeah, is it's like, almost like i was as a young kid i don't know growing up it was like i was just kind of paranoid that i had nothing going on and i just needed to capitalize on every single opportunity in any way that i could and mm. that's that's how i was on the bike and definitely how i was in business too so I was just always like, okay, I'm going to give it 110, like all the time. You know, I still do that actually. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, uh, that is a skill in itself. It's not necessarily talent, but it's a skill. It's a, it's a mentality that you can force something to happen, you know? So I think that's, yeah. a, you know, well, manifestation. Yeah. One, one, like one story I, I love telling dudes that like get commercial shoots and like, I'll try and hook guys up with. You know, people will call me like, oh, we're going to do a Nextel commercial or we're going to do this cell phone commercial or whatever. Do you have anyone? I was like, yeah, I got dudes. I'll try and hook them up with the commercial gig or whatever. But I always tell them the same story. This one time in the 90s, I think I was living at the POW house. Pova called me up and he didn't have a car at the time or something. And he said, Chris, can you drive me to Simi Valley for a Gatorade commercial tryout? I was like, yeah. I mean, can I get in on it too? He's like, yeah, whatever. You just got to drive me there. So me and Pova drive up to Simi Valley to some BMX track. We do this Gatorade commercial tryout. I ham it up. Pova's like <laughs> doing Pova. I'm just being an idiot. And we both got callbacks. So we were extras. And we were only going to get like 350 or something for the day. But we were like, dang, that's 350 in a That's day. a good rate. That's a good rate. Like, I'm doing S&M, barely yeah. making ends meet. You know, I'll take 350. Yeah. So we go up there, do the shoot in Simi Valley. And the, all these writers, Fuzzy's in on it. A couple other guys are there. They're like lead actors. Okay. And we're extras. So we're just riding through this rhythm section, manual in or whatever, round and round and round through some smoke. <laughs> and no one's behaving. No one's listening. The whole thing is going in the shitter. So I just decided I'm going to run it. I'm going to run this shoot for these people. So I just told everybody, hey, you, shut up. Get over here. You. You know, zip it, get over here. I just ran the thing. <laughs> going ran back, it. going back to the intimidating factor, you yeah. know, like well, I'm telling you, I just ran it mm -hmm. right. Ran the whole shoot. And when it was over, they were the Hollywood people, the commercial that produced the Gatorade, uh, the company that produced the Gatorade commercial was so appreciative. They paid me as a head actor. <laughs> so every two weeks I'd get like 1200 bucks, 2400 bucks. Oh, I would get these crazy Quaker Oats royalty checks from there say like, you know, Europe. Uh, week airing this thing. They were from Quaker Oats because yeah. Quaker Oats was Gatorade. And for a while, I would fuck with Pova. He'd call me and go, did you get your check? i go, yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, no, because the thing was Pova got mad at me. Pova mm. was like, you're such an asshole. Why do you got to yell? You're not in charge. You're just an extra. Just go through the rollers like everyone else. You should fuck up. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, dude, I can't, I can't operate like that. Yeah. The place is a fucking disaster. So anyway, he was like, did you get your check? I go, yeah, I got my check. He's like, how much is it? I was like twelve fifty. How much is yours? He's like three hundred. Yeah. And a couple weeks later, I was like, I called him again, dude. I got another check. <laughs> a couple weeks later, I was like, 
got another check. And by the time it was all said and done, I made like 40 grand. Wow. On that one day, yeah. I bought a condo. I was 25, <laughs> bought my first house. So I bought a condo for 25 grand. Or no, I bought a condo for like 80 grand with the money from the shoot. Yeah. And then packed it full of riders. A couple years later, flipped it for like 180, bought a house for 300. That house I'm flipping right now for 1.2 million. Jesus Christ. This house that we're going to put on the market next week in Huntington and sell for 1.2 million all came from that day <laughs> at the Simi Valley track. Yes. I yelled at a bunch of kids. And it all started even with you just being like, can I get in on the shoot? You yeah, just, right. You know, like, yeah. you I'll just give you a ride. No, no effort on it. Hey, I'll drop yeah. you off. I'll go do something else. But it's even just from the, can I be in the shoot? Oh, like, I, I was started like, the I'm fire. driving all the way to Simi Valley. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to try and get in there. Because I've blown, That's amazing. Dude, That's I've, amazing. I've blown that. a couple of those that were unreal. Like I got a screen, I got a call for a screen test one time in Hollywood from Spike or some of my friends up at Wizard, and I went to the screen test, and I had to dress like a skateboarder, and then I had to like improvise in this uh, this. They gave me a basic script, and they said you got to improvise. You know, read this, but but improvise. And the thing was, I was gonna get my grandpa's car and drive it to Connecticut or some Rhode Island because there was going to be this big contest, right? And I was supposed to improvise. And I, I did the best I could, and I just, like, ran with it. And I got a callback a couple weeks later, but something was going on. I couldn't go to the callback. They wanted me to be in the commercial, and I passed on it. The dude that got the part was Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> it was a commercial for the original X Games, mm. and I could have been in it with knoxville it was knoxville and some other dude and it was the first gig knoxville ever got damn wow. and i could have been the other dude but i didn't go to the callback oh wow so after that i you know i just Kick tell people in the ass from that one like i tell people all the time like go yeah go i don't yeah. care if you have 50 callbacks and you never get any of them. you got to go to every single one yeah. of them because do you remember that commercial that they no. did where knoxville and this dude drove from san diego to rhode island and that's how they promoted the original mm. X Games. Really? Was in this. Because that was uh, the first one in Rhode Island. That was the right? very first one. Yeah. And that's how they, they, they promoted it with this series of commercials. Knoxville and some dude. That dude never rent, went anywhere. Yeah. But obviously. Knoxville, yeah. Knoxville has. Yeah. yeah. And that was his first gig. Crazy, man. I could have been a sidekick. Yeah, but that's such I good... don't know if it would have worked. I don't know if it would have happened, but I got the call back and I skipped it. Good <laughs> words of wisdom, though. Like, if it's a don't good opportunity and, and you're feeling it, go for it. Dude, go and bust your ass. Yes. For sure. And if you're getting, like, money to do bike shit, <laughs> you got to get it. That's awesome to hear from someone like you who has this cool core brand because I think a lot of people think like, ah, oh, that's selling out doing the Mountain Dew commercial. You know, like when you see people, Scotty yeah. Kramer doing those Axe commercials and I know, I'm like, you know how much money he made for that and who the fuck cares because right. you're not going to remember it in two years anyways. Like, who cares? Go spray the Axe in your armpits and get that huge check and I think a buy lot of a house people, and flip it or whatever. Dude, I feel like a lot of people just get so caught up in themselves with. They do. It's an ego thing. All this weird stuff. Like, I, I'm not like that. I'm just like, I'm going to go hard and if I can, if I, I can. think you can play it off pretty well too, though. So you could do the core corny thing and be like, yeah, that was corny as fuck. And, uh, you know, like you can there's that own it. Too. Yeah. Because like where people some people are self-conscious and they're not able to yeah. like still, uh, rise above it, you know? So, or the assholes just consistently doing corny things and they actually like it. And, yeah. Actually, <laughs> That's it. Well, yeah. I've seen so many great writers that get stuck on some preconceived idea of what it is to be, like a core writer mm -hmm. and then they 
pass on all this stuff and and then in the end they're just working some regular job somewhere and they're super bitter and they're salty yeah. about back in the day so-and-so got this sponsor and i was better than him it's like yeah you were for sure yeah but you but didn't you show didn't up get it no you didn't get the sponsor work ethic because that goes, dude got go, this goes hand in hand with talent on i think i think up. that we've we've that's been mentioned subversely yeah. i think a couple of times where it's like one day one day you won't get that call anymore mm-hmm. and you'll regret and you'll miss it and you'll be yeah. bitter about it and it's like it's like yeah don't just because it doesn't line up perfectly with what you want doesn't mean you should pass on it or talk shit on it like yeah like because those calls will stop you know <clears throat> honestly I've, I've been dealing with you know sponsored writers since day one mm-hmm. so 35 years you know um and I and I my attitude towards it has changed over the years and I think nowadays if you're 15 you're ripping you love it you want to make a living at it you want to be a real pro Mm -hmm. pro writer i truly believe you need some kind of representation so you need a family member at first you know mom dad you know whatever aunt someone you really trust somebody you trust that has your best interests in mind but can tell you what's really going on without you getting your little panties in a bunch. Yeah, because emotions will jump in the way of a lot of things. You have to have representation, in my opinion, to get to get these deals and have to have somebody out there on your behalf actively trying to get you hooked up with different stuff. Mm-hmm. And so then you can you just get, ride. You just get a ride. Yeah. But when they come to you and say, like, you're really messing this up, man, because you're not doing this, 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 or this, you're not going to get pissed because they're – you love them, mm-hmm. right? Or they're like representing you. You respect and them. Or, and you're going to do it, right? And then whoever's paying you is going to be happy. You're going to be happy. And so this is where I think things go wrong nowadays is like a lot of kids come up. They want to be pros. They think they're just going to deal with it on their own. And they just never put anything together. They don't. They have like one sponsor that gives them one check for some small amount of money and every just, month. Just as good as a guy with a little bit of representation that's buying a house. and Yeah, so you, there's a mindset, I think, if you want to be a pro writer, if you just want to make a couple hundred bucks a month from one sponsor, that's fine. you know. But if you want to be a pro writer, I think you got to put together a whole thing. you got to have something about yourself that's unique that's, uh, that people want to emulate. You got actually have to think about all this stuff. You know, like you got to have a little bit of an image. Mm-hmm. you got to have a style. you got to have something that's uniquely yours you you know it's kind of like being in a band you know nobody wants to see a dude on stage and like his uh hiking shoes and his button-up corduroy shirt you know yeah no it it is people have a the only way that works is a full-on contest rider you can just be completely vanilla that's cool and make a shitload of money riding contests but yeah if you want to be something real with sponsorships well i think you not real but i think you should do all of it for like, sure. I think you got to ride events, make purse money, make contingencies, make bonuses on event uh, standings, um, end of the year standings, more bonus money there. You got to do shoots, regular video shoots, put out video parts. You got to want to do all this stuff, though. You know, you're a perfect example. You're doing exactly what I'm talking about. Thanks. That's what people should be doing. Yeah. You know, you need a whole. Uh, and it's still not you say it all like it's this thing but if it's just still bmx so it's, it's really just, just you're just riding you but just what have to... but by separating yourself from the weirdness of the deals it mm. allows you to be you and ride your bike and do what you love and now you have somebody else doing that and i you know i like that better like um i don't want to like overstep my boundaries but like at one point like we clearly wanted you 
on our oh, on our program, right? Mm. On our team. And so, it's ironic because I started with writing emails to you guys then, every damn month. Think, but, only but you would have answered. Well, they would have no clue who this kid is telling him. I'm right. learning backflips and but I'm jumping later, the floor pad. You know, years <laughs> later, I'm on. I'm now. I'm tracking you down, but I don't sit down with you. It, yeah, like, it's so sweet though. It's so yeah. refreshing to sit down. I go to lunch with your guy, right? I go to lunch with Dennis's guy. Steve was his name. Brad, but he works with that or guy. Brad, Steve. Yeah. I work for Steve. So, so I sit down. I go to lunch with Brad. And we, I go, yeah, this is what we want, Dennis. We want to do this. We want to do that. And he says, ah, that's probably not going to happen. And we talk all the details out. And yeah, sure enough, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But, and it'd be so hard because we, you know, I've always thought of you as a friend when we see each other. But if I right. went to lunch, I would get emotional because I fucking love S&M. And, and you might make a bad decision. And then Brad would be like, what the fuck did you just do, dude? Exactly. You know, like. But why? that's the way it should. That's the way it should. Go and I down. could just ride the contest and not think while you guys are having lunch. It's exactly. so great. That's yeah. the way it should go down. And it didn't have to be Brad. It could have been your mom. It could have been. Yeah, it doesn't need to be an yeah, agent specifically. Exactly. It Just could have been your wife. A voice it could of be guidance. Anybody, yeah. You know? No. And then, so you look at, like, you guys had Brad Sims on here, and we sponsor Brad Sims, and Melissa, I mean, she put that deal together, and she dealt with it. And it's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to us. What? Let's talk about that. Well, because Brad, that, that was huge. He was on fit for a year, and then. And then what? Yeah, and then what? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, honestly, wouldn't, wouldn't I never asked Brad about the details of that? Look, I no. text him, call him. I I messaged him on Instagram posts that he commented on like two minutes ago, and I put a comment on his comment, so I know he was on his phone. Mm-hmm. He had no desire to con- communicate with us. So that's a trip because he got you guys. Kind of were the like, let's get Brad's career going. We, we loved it. We yeah. loved him. And Melissa then he blew up really huge, Melissa though, was, and then he left, right? That's kind of yeah, that, that year. Yeah, but he never even told us he was leaving. Oh. Never talked to him. Yeah. It was so there was so just weird. crazy miscommunication? Well, well, no, there was no, no, there was no, no communication. communication. So, but, so but, weirdest so, thing, well, I mean, I've dealt with weirder, yeah. but it was up there. Was, it was up there. Because... I mean, I mean, you're I, probably on the side. I'm trying to, like, I'm fuck, trying to like, walk. I'm trying on? to walk it yeah. a little bit. But so Brad sent me what he sent you right. before he sent it to you. Right. And I said, I told him, I said, do not be surprised if they're not receptive to that, because he wanted more money, but to do less, essentially. Like, and and he wanted to ride for other brands. And I love Brad, so I don't. Hopefully, he's not taking this the wrong way. But but as a as a business owner coming from the other side. It's that's a difficult pill to swallow. Yeah, and, on and so, but we never even got that. Yeah, and but and but the, where where the problem really arised was that when you guys were like, "Oh, we're not feeling that," and then he just he just ghosted you essentially, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. and that and when communication falls apart, that's when relationships fall apart. And you guys tried for a long time, <laughs> and it was just basically all or nothing. Yeah, Brad's way or or the highway essentially. It seems like which so, is really crazy. To and, back and to your. A point of having someone represent you because Brad's really good at representing himself, getting Adidas and these these deals. Right. He's his own agent, which is awesome to see someone that's really good. Yeah, he at doesn't that. have an agent right now. Brad is his agent. Oh wow! But I, he, I'm should, almost positive. he should he should have an agent. It would help he, with relationships he, like that. Yeah, yeah, he wouldn't. Have, that wouldn't have been weird. Um, yeah, because it would have been a negotiation. It was super hard to deal with because, or to even uh, understand because he's clearly. In, I don't know him. Yeah. Okay. I've only met him a handful of times yeah. for a few minutes, but he's clearly intelligent. He's very articulate Mm -hmm. he's super like he's read you know a lot yeah he's really well versed in all kinds Mm -hmm. of different things he's super smart so all i can think is like he knows what he's doing and that kind of made it hurt even more i mean and that's (laughs) to be honest i was just like man we really we really wanted this to work i I like the partnership 
And then later, I you know I hear I I hear the mountain bike side of it. You know, like the you know oh he's gonna ride for Canyon Mountain Bikes. And then I thought I started researching it out, and I go oh well that actually does make sense because the company that owns Canyon Mountain Bikes owns Adidas. Yeah. Yeah. I was like oh maybe he's putting a deal together where he's on Adidas and he's on Canyon Mountain Bikes, and I'm all for that. But he could have ridden for us and Canyon Mountain Bikes at the same time. I don't care. Yeah. Unless Mm -hmm. Canyon's trying to get into BMX. Yeah. Unless he's been on Canyon for BMX for a long time now and getting paid and they just haven't rolled out their product line, which is very, very possible because I have other friends. You know, I have friends in the mountain bike world um, that rode just recently were getting paid for like six months before they ever even got their first bike. Yeah. And they didn't even have to tag them share them or announce that they were even on this brand for six just a months retainer, and getting basically. a monthly salary while the brand was just like, hang tight, keep you on deck. It's coming out. And the checks just keep coming. That's a good sponsor. That's yeah. not bad. No, I want that <laughs> deal. not a bad deal. I want that deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you said that it... it I might it, have two of those deals at the same time. <laughs> right? <laughs> as many exactly. as you can get. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, so you said you were hurt and I feel like that's where most of the controversy came out is because of the post. Oh, the, uh, the what, Instagram the, post. Well, so what happened is, you know, Melissa's, she's got a degree. She went to San Diego State, got a degree in uh, journalism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's super smart and she's a great writer. And she ran the media for the pro surfing tour for seven years, men's and women's, like mm-hmm. WS or whatever it was called back then, the uh, CT, the championship tour. So the men's tour and the women's tour around the world for wow. seven years. She was the media manager. So she did all the press releases with Kelly and, you know, Andy Irons and all the dudes and the girls Yeah, for years. When Upper I level her. stuff. Yeah. And I, and I started traveling around the world with her on the pro surf tour and watching her work. And she was blowing it up with the radio stations and with local newspapers and media. And she's trying to get the guys on talk shows. And uh, so I knew back then in 2006 or seven that she was really, really good at this stuff. So she's been running that kind of stuff for SM and Fit pretty much the whole time. Yeah. And she's really good at it. And she put that Brad thing together. I talked to Brad. He told me what he wanted. I was like, I can't give it to you because we we're really tapped. And then she stepped in and was like, nah, we're going to give it to him. I was like, okay. I mean, I fully trust her because she's been running shit for us for <laughs> almost 15 years now. And she kills it. So I was like, okay. So she's doing a lot of the budgeting. Is that what? no? She runs the teams. Yeah. Oh, cool. And the but marketing. so you guys agreed to what he wanted then. She did. Oh, okay. And then I she if she says she wants to do it, I'm I'm not gonna say no. Yeah. So then why did Brad? Disappear? Because it just kept escalating. It was like she gave him what he wanted, and then a few months later, he wanted us to pay for his LASIK surgery, and she was like, "Nah, dude, we're in the bike business. We're not in the LASIK surgery business. Yeah. You pay for your own LASIK surgery." Then I think he got mad. Then he wanted more money, and she was like, no, 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 you're not going to keep, like, squeezing me every couple months. Yeah. You know? And then she he kind of gave her attitude, like, you know, do you even know what I do on a bike? And she was like, yeah, I know what you do on a bike. That's why we pay you. <laughs> That's why we pay you. And then, you know, it kind of got tense. And then, I don't know if because she's female or what, I know that hasn't gone over good in this industry for us for 15 years now. Like, people don't want to deal with a woman. Um, it's a real weird business we're in. Bike riders don't bike riders don't like to be told what to do in general. I feel which is like. super then, weird because, yeah. like I said, I, I traveled the world with her for you know five plus years and watched her telling 
Joel Parkinson what to do. Mm-hmm. I watched her telling Mick Fanning what to do. And they were all about it. Yeah. They were like, she's good for my career. She's good for this sport. She's just good, good, and good. And if she says I'm doing that, I'm doing it. And they all did. And they were super cool. And I was like, that sport is killing it. And then we get back over to BMX. And she tries to implement so much cool stuff. Like she was the first person to get a rev share deal with YouTube in BMX. So she took the fit team back in like, I don't know, like 2008 or something and got a rev share deal with YouTube and then told like Vish and Robbie and all the guys that worked for us at the time, we're going to make a weekly video and it's going to go on YouTube and we're going to get rev share. And they were like, you're crazy. And then they, they like Robbie and Vish and, and then all the other guys got on board and everybody thought she was nuts. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. We can't make a video every week. And she was like, yeah, you can just go out and film it and have these chop it up. We're going to throw it up on the YouTube and then we're going to get paid when they run ads against it. Yeah. And then for a while there, we were doing it every week. We did it for like 40 weeks leading up until uh, stay fit. Mm-hmm. That pushed those guys so far to the edge that she was telling them what to do. And she was making them do this stuff that that's when everybody quit was at the end of that. And now I look back on it and I, I just laugh because so many people have YouTube channels. Yeah. So many people no. make money off YouTube. And she was saying that back in, 2008 and everybody just said she was a, she was like stupid it's how you make Ahead your company curve. look good right now is it you know yeah. you put out your really quality stuff but in between you got to put out the well 13 the little chop up edits for people to point. watch and 13 mm-hmm. years ago she put wow. that together she was like let's do a full length we'll do it first we started with like <laughs> we started with like uh, uh ryan from philly um, oh Navaz, yeah. we started with Navaz. yeah then he was like, this is F, threw in the towel. Yeah. Then we brought in PP, and then PP did it for a while. He's like, this is F, and he threw in the <laughs> towel. And then I was like, oh, my, this is insane. I can't get one dude to make a video because Melissa's telling them all what to do, and they hate it so much. Yeah, so yeah. then we brought, uh, <clears throat> we brought Rich Hirsch in to like wrap it up, and then at the end, everyone quit and left. But the thing about Rich it Hirsch is, wrapped up Stay Fit. He, he yeah, edited Stay wow. Fit. Yeah, yeah he I edited that. it. Yeah. yeah. He's the guy at the end. I told him. I told him at the very end. I was like, "Take Chris Cole's section out." Chris Cole had a section and stay fit. Yeah, well, that's weird. Yeah, I took it. Chris out. Cole's a man, good dude. But yeah, I love make, Chris makes Cole. Makes no sense for. I love Chris that, Cole. Yeah, but he was clearly starting. The oh, new that brand, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I didn't want to promote them when I knew they were all going anyway. Yeah. So I was like, "Take his section out." And that had to be kind of weird knowing everybody was uh, doing yeah. their own thing, and then you're yeah, I knew. putting this video out with half of them in the video. Well, I. I had just committed twenty five grand. That's yeah, that's that's they paid for Nora Cup that year. It was yeah, it was twenty five thousand dollars for the video premiere, and we did Nora two Cup. video premieres because that, that was day. like that was like peak that was like peak expensive yeah. because of Vegas and shit. But because they, the venue the venue alone was like forty five. But our yeah, teams, no, no, no. They, Nora Cups were insane. They yeah. used that event as their jump off. Yeah, and I knew it was going down, and I sat. Was it the year had, that Chase? That was the year that Chase won with the with, with the, the cult hat with the the modified. Yeah, yeah. And I had to sit in the stands and, and babysit an underage Trey Jones mm-hmm. that night. That's what I did. They, that's how they tricked. That's how they got me out of the backstage area. They're like, somebody needs to babysit Trey because he's underage. Yeah. And I was like, I'll do it. I don't care. I'll sit in the stands with Trey. Yeah. And I did. I sat in the stands with Trey while they were all backstage, launching their new brand. Yeah. And it all kind of came up, I think, partially. There are lots of factors in it, but this thing with Melissa has been going on for like 15 years. She has insanely good ideas, and nobody's receptive to them. 
Yeah. And they just, they're like, oh, you don't ride. You're a chick. And they don't want to do it. And then years later, inevitably, every single time, one of the same dudes comes up with the same idea. And then everyone's like, yeah. Yeah. That's so sick. I said, that's what Melissa told you to do five years ago. And you guys said it was insane. Now you're doing it. Yeah. That is crazy. I've yeah. been watching this. No, happen. BMXers don't like being told like where they stand and companies on pay no. and all there that was by such a, a woman was, that doesn't ride. That's definitely a thing. That and there was such a negative, like. negative thing around cares? YouTube back they ride, then like, too. Like I ride. No, I, listening like, to you say this is like wow. Well, yeah, for that's me, it's like crazy. I I ride. Let's say I'm a pro rider and I quit being I quit paying my bills riding my bike in 1991. You know, basically, and I've had to sell bikes since then to make a living. But up till 91, my bike provided my rent and my mm-hmm. food and all my expenses. But uh, if I were a pro rider to this day, I don't care what anybody does. Like if they're running the company or whatever, and they're helping me go out and ride and do what I love and film and go to contests and make money and hang out with my boys and ride my bike. I don't care what they do. They could golf, whatever. As long as they're doing a good job. All I care about that I'm riding my bike. I don't care if they ride. In fact, I'd rather they don't ride their bike so that they can stay in the office longer. And do my shit. Yeah. And then I'll be yeah. riding. I think so I don't know why they're not receptive to that. And like I said, on the Pro Surf Tour, I mean, we had Kelly Slater come over to the house, you know, to talk to Melissa. He almost hired Melissa to run. Kelly came over to the house to hire Melissa to run his rogue tour when he was going to jump off the ASP and he was going to start his own world tour. He wanted Melissa to come with him. Crazy. Kelly Slater. Maybe and then these BMX dudes think she's an idiot and that's what i watch it going on and i'm like oh man i wish these kids knew yeah. you should sit them down and you can't no never no, give them a can't. little like no, man, they, background on what so she does many and kids and bmx her ideas are, how they blossom. so many kids and bmx are locked in an apartment and they're they're like in the couch and everyone's so high and they just talk each other into the craziest <laughs> shit and they fully believe it. So true in a they lot of aspects. They fully believe it. Like <laughs> the, the Indica, into couch. Yeah. Into couch. Yeah. couch. I mean, I've lived at a BMX house. Oh, and your little world and what you think's going on is fucking crazy. I lived in BMX houses too. And I would walk in, like I'd go out and work, ride, do whatever I could do all day. And I'd come home, I'd look at everybody and I'd, I'd know instantly. I was like, mushrooms. Yeah. You know? <laughs> acid and everyone would just it was like dad came home you yeah know? everyone was like don't just like don't let molar know he can tell he can tell we're all on mushrooms you know and then i'd just keep on them until somebody like yeah mushrooms we're all on mushrooms <laughs> like you motherfuckers and then i would just like harass them all night long you know and then later maybe i'd have a little mushroom but you know but, uh, you know what i'm saying like this is what's happening in bmx houses yeah right? Especially in Long Beach. There's so much yeah. going on in Long Beach. They get trapped in these the feedback little, loop. They just get so faded. And then they convince each other that, oh, this is crazy. This is crazy. Get out of the fog, yeah. dude. That's a great point. It's really nice to go and do other things and get refreshed. You know, yeah. even when I lived in my BMX house, like it had to go do different things and just changes your opinion, like on that yeah. little small world. And be open minded. Mm hmm. Like, a good idea is a good idea. And like I said, 13 years ago, Melissa's doing rev share with YouTube. Yeah. First one yeah. in BMX. Yeah, that's and it drove Like, that that and other things, but that was part of what, you know, created such a divide. I mean, and, have I mean, Robbie, I don't know. Are you and Robbie cool, I guess? Well, no, I, guess I haven't. T- I handed yeah. Robbie his last paycheck yeah. in 2009. Never talked to him since. No. I just, he came in the office. 
I gave him his paycheck, and that was it, 2009. Prior to that, since he was he was a kid, like 14 or whatever, yeah, he was a good friend of mine. My first pro race I ever did was in New Jersey, and I flew to LaGuardia, and they picked me up, and I stayed at the carpet business with Bob, Big Bob and Jan and Lil Robbie, and he was going to his prom or something, and I went to my first BMX National as a pro in New Jersey and won. Yeah. And came home back to the Morales carpet shop with all my money, waving it around, just acting like an idiot. And his mom got so pissed, she grabbed a $100 bill out of my hand, ripped it in half. I wrestled her to the ground. I wrestled Big Jan to the ground, and I squirted toothpaste in her ear. Rob Morales' mom. Yeah. She ripped my money in half. She was just like, shut up about your money. And I wrestled her to the ground, and I squirted toothpaste in her ear. Wow. I love that family. Robbie was hilarious, man. Yeah, he was a hilarious, yeah. and he's endear- He's an endearing also, dude. So it wasn't like a, a fight or anything you guys had. It was just the business split up. Well, or was there? I, 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 I that always love how you in these podcasts. You're like you're you you're so anti uh, like conflict. You're just like oh yeah, well yeah. I'm like no, I'm I'm he's like got, he's got. You're up. like yeah. But I'm but asking he's like, like like with Brad. He was like oh he's just obviously got you know another deal lined up. It's good for Fitz. Good for Brad. It's good for everybody. Let's move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's All right. Let's hear it. That's what. That's why we're are, that's yeah. why we're good because we're because no, it is good. yeah but, you know, but I'm, got, I'm trying to walk the line trying not piss you and Brad off at the same time when you have all kinds of sponsors you got bands you got Rockstar you got Haro you got who knows he's yeah. got Ethica underwear who knows what he's got going <laughs> yeah. on yeah. well there's a bunch rainbow of stuff. shoots out of his butt there's he's a bunch of sponsored. stuff going on up there in his head all the time he's like oh I can't say anything about that dude because that dude works with that dude and that dude works with that dude and then that dude's doing this and he might be doing that later and I might be doing that later well yeah I'm just. He's like homies Hucker. with everyone. He's like Hucker. Yeah, I just can't say anything really bad. Of it. Pretty equal, pretty and similar to smart. Hucker. Not equal. That's smart. That I'm is trying, smart. I'm trying to get saying like, I'm the dumb one. No, I'm just saying you're <laughs> you're definitely more controversial because yeah, yeah. obviously no one's paying you to wear shoes or anything. Yeah, so you don't yeah. care. Yeah, but I mean, like you you used to sponsor or sponsor advertise with our BMX, and it's like, and if yeah. I pissed you off, I kind of thought pull. we still did. I know that's fine. Did. Yeah, and then fine. I asked I Alyssa, care. and she said, "No, we don't." Because like, oh, well. I'm <laughs> hitting them up, like, why are you not oh, tagging? Oh, you? There we go, back on. Did we just do a deal? Did we just do a deal? That was yeah. good, Melissa. Uh, Melissa, call Fudger. Period. Um, I also though well, in hold the podcast. Why, since we're laughing. Can you can you uh, can you dispel the conspiracy that you and Robbie are still working together and it was all that, a hype machine to launch Colt as a as that a, would be so sick. If that God, that would have been. He came to me and was, he came to me. <laughs> did you start that theory? You no, the Watkins actually that. started so that theory. He did come to me towards the end, like two thousand nine or something. He, you know, obviously things weren't weren't meshing like mm-hmm. i said robbie's an endearing dude he has a great memory if he sees somebody one time and knows their name he knows their name oh it's magical like i don't know shit i'll yeah. leave here today and tell somebody i just did a podcast with with uh you know a dog with yeah, yeah. With dennis mccoy <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'll do that's how i'll be like yeah i was just on with nyquist and McCoy. <laughs> it's like what ryan and dennis yeah, I don't even. Yeah, know. yeah. But Robbie knows. Like, yeah. He sees your face one time, knows your name. Yeah. So he's an endearing dude. He makes people feel good about themselves. He's hysterical. Mm-hmm. But in my position at the time, I don't know how he is anymore. Like I said, I haven't talked to him since 09, but he was very divisive he, and he was very uh, manipulative and he was also dishonest. And I can't, I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I, he had to go. Yeah. So if that meant all those other dudes were going to go too, whatever yeah. so you let him go 
and then the cult started. I, I know what happened was I, I just said. Listen, I think they dude, both saw like, the writing I, on the wall. I, I just said, listen, like the the divisiveness. Like I'd go out of town. I was on tour with Melissa. I'd be in Australia, or I'd be in Brazil, or Chile, or Hawaii, or wherever. You know, surfing, going to these events, and he took that time to like, kind of. Yeah, weasel his way in the divisiveness. Plant came the seeds. In. Then he started creating this divide. Then I became a giant asshole, and then all the kids hated me. The young ones coming up that I didn't know and have a relationship with, and then that's how the whole divide started. And then he got Neil involved in there too. That was like one of my key dudes. And uh, then I'd ask him questions, and he'd be dishonest. And uh, like I said, he was hysterical, and he's an endearing dude. But like the the divisiveness and the and the um, manipulative behavior and then the dishonesty i just can't deal with it so you just had to go if that meant everyone else had to go to well whatever yeah they all got to go and it sucked i was super bummed i was like man these dudes are so good hawk d heart uh dak no but i didn't know any of them all the dudes i know would have never gone yeah so yeah. like foster van um even edwin um who we just hooked up with S and M last week. Oh, really? Which is Fuck funny. Yeah. Uh, um, all those guys, Mikey. Yeah, they weren't. They they knew me. Those yeah. are the guys who had personal relationships with. Yeah, me. I mean, that, and that's what... everyone that had a personal relationship with me had a harder time figuring. And there were a couple of guys that were sort of on the fence. Like D Hart was kind of on the fence, and it took him a while to figure it out. AK, it took him a while to 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 go. Mm -hmm. But in the end, Robbie's way more persuasive than I am. And my, my personality is kind of like, you want to go, go. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. Yeah. I mean, no. I'm not going to beg you to stay, dude. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of do care, but if you want to go, go. If you want to stay, stay. Yeah. No, I mean, stay, we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to make this shit cool. But if you want to go, go. And the thing is that whole time I'm paying Robbie just to deal with it, with the dudes, you know, it was like, I was sitting at Hastings, the battle Hastings last year with Ramsdale. And he's sitting with Peraza, who was on Fit for a week. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> Kevin baby, was? baby Peraza. Yeah, we yeah. sponsored him when he went to Simple Sessions, and he got second. And he came back and quit instantly. He was on for a week. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but he's sitting with Illingsworth and Kevin and, and Lee, and I'm having like breakfast or lunch with them in Hastings. And Who's this, Robbie? No, this is Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this is just recently. And I go, I go, Lee, Mongoose is lame, dude. Come on, quit. Quit that and come work with us. You know, he's like, no, no, no. He's like, this shit's sick. I love working for Mongoose. He's like, I love Kevin. I love Greg. I'm not going anywhere. And I was kind of just pulling his leg. Yeah. You know? And he goes, why don't you, um, dude, why have you never had a team manager? I said, I had a team manager. <laughs> he managed to take the team. <laughs> That's crazy. You know that. So that you was, never had one before, Robbie, or after. It was like, uh, that was well, my team. John Paul kind of was yeah, for a little, for a little bit. bit. But I mean, this team we put together for fit was like, it was a dream team. Yeah, Who put together a... like the Please Kill Me team? John Paul. John Paul. Okay. Yeah. He was friends with and Wiz. A, a, he was friends with Sherbo. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had all the West Coast. That dudes. was like the dream team, and then Fit made their dream team. Yeah, and the Fit team started way different. Like when we started the Fit brand, the original squad was like Bostrom, uh, Inman, uh, the, uh, I didn't Yagle. know Bostrom. I didn't, yeah. mean, I didn't no, know either Bostrom. of them. Were the up. original squad was basically like Bostrom, Yeagle, uh, Dave King was like a flow dude. Robbie was one of the head dudes, obviously. And then almost instantly. Uh, and then, of course, Inman. But Inman. then almost instantly. Because the idea was like, dude, let's keep it small. Get you guys in a van. Drive around. Hit some trails. Hit some street spots. Get it going. Let's start it kind of grassroots. And then Robbie came to me almost instantly. He was like, been talking to Foster. 
you know, Schwinn's getting weird. We can get him. I've been talking to Aiken. Mosh is, you know, weird. We can get him. I've been talking Damn, to Damn, that's a trip to think that. Like, I I've been who talking. they were on before fit, because those guys yeah. were always well, Mikey just... Mikey went pro on Mosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey went pro for Heath yeah. mm-hmm. at, at Giant, yep. which was Mosh. And then uh, <clears throat> Brian was already well-established on Schwinn. Van was well-established on Schwinn. But then Schwinn, wow, yeah, they were on Schwinn before fit. Yeah, the Schwinn program started to fizzle. So they all jumped over for like fractions of what they were getting paid. Of I mean, course, it was yeah. like, okay, dude, I know you're making six K a month. Yeah. We can give you 1500. Yeah. I can't say that. to yeah. somebody. Yeah. I just can't say that to somebody. Robbie can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're stoked about it. That's how good he is at it. Like, <laughs> that's how good he is at it. You know, that's why I was like, damn, I'm just going to stay in the office. You know, yeah. deal with these crazy like, like welders and shit. Fucking good team manager. I'm let him well, he's a pe- he, yeah, he's a people person. Mm-hmm. He he does have an eye for talent too because he can exactly. remember he can remember those kids. He can remember yeah. he can remember that fourteen year old kid. You're like, damn, that's pretty good. Fucking whatever yeah, invert always, or something. He, he like always has, he always has ends with someone else's money that he can bundle up mm-hmm. and make a deal, which is really helpful. So he can say like, yeah, I can only get you this, but I'll get you on Vans. Mm, yeah, yeah. I can't say that. Yeah. I can't fucking... even get a discount code for Vans, you know? I can't get anybody on anything. <laughs> so I can't do that. Understandable, you know? yeah. I but, get... but that Fit Squad was like instantly like just a monster. Yeah. Monster yeah. squad yeah. for us. And then that was whatever, uh, it was like 2000. And then my life just went into fit mode mm-hmm. and kind of never really stopped. Yeah. Like S&M kind of went on the back burner. Now I'm on the road five times a year to Taiwan for two weeks at a time. And then I'm trying to be on surf tour with Melissa and I'm, I'm never even really around. Yeah. So it was easy to, it, it, I mean, I would hate to think it was fully malicious, but uh, let's just say if I'm not around, how am I going to have a relationship? Yeah. With it's dudes? Yeah. It can, it can't be like, I mean, I mean, Ro- Robbie, and this is this is me walking the line again, but, like, Robbie obviously knew that he was fucking you over. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, he also knew that he was making a move that benefited right. him in the end. Yeah. In the sense of owning his own business, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that, it's, you I, know. I was, like, I was bent back then and super bummed. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad it all happened, to be honest, yeah. you know. Uh, the weirdest thing about it is these dudes, like, they, they think I'm the biggest carrying the carrying the, the world f- yeah no, the, the writers the hatred yeah, yeah. i've heard a lot of like stuff about you just randomly from people it's and, all, you know i always got my not, ear open and it's not real yeah it's just not real like i was at at home in saint clemente with my two kids and melissa and we were at pizza port and i look over two tables away i'm like there's vish and dehart yeah and all the dudes they're right there. At one point, my one of my daughters was rolling like a rubber ball, and the ball went under the, their table, and she had to go over there under their table and grab the ball. They don't even say hi. <laughs> I'm just like the biggest prick ever. So I don't know exactly. That's what, what I mean. It they're carrying they're did. carrying the torch of the rival rivalry. But I always there is, but there is no rivalry. Yeah, exactly. Like but those, I mean, you know, maybe send, after, send them some flowers. I mean, I don't. 2009. I, I never really you know, knew. I'm him. Like, I have so many friends. And no, I met, I met Robbie. Like, oh, you know, I don't like, know. Yeah. Well, the, but you know, the conspiracy theory is funny. Is like, oh my god, they have this huge blowout, and then they have offices be, like two miles down the road from hilarious. each other. And he, like, like I was yeah. saying earlier, he did hit me up. Yeah. It was like, and if it was real, you wouldn't tell us. Exactly. <laughs> He's exactly. like, that would be really smart. Really, the ultimate troll. It is not real, but I will tell you that. Like, right after. 
right when things started to obviously get ugly if things were getting yeah. ugly like yeah. 08 or whatever 09 it was obviously getting ugly he did come to me at one point and he was like hey let's do this let me take all the young kids start another brand we'll go 50 50 we'll be 50 50 owners mm, okay you know? and i was like nah i want i just want nothing to do with anything that you're doing basically okay so we wrote him like an employment contract which straightened his shit out but locked him in legally and he was like i'm not signing that and i'm leaving okay but we yeah. gave him that to get him to leave and then he didn't sign it and left and it, it the drama but it makes that, sense it makes sense from both yeah, sides why would he go, sign something that he doesn't agree with why would you go, yeah. we wanted him to go yeah so he went Mutual. he just took a bunch of people and when he took neil neil came to me and neil was super cool about it he's like hey i'm i'm gonna go work with robbie i go you're gonna go work with robbie like he's like i'm gonna be 50 percent owner Oh shit! In this new yeah. brand, I go. Oh damn! Yeah, he and is. That's what he told Neil? me. Wow! And yeah. I was like, "Good for you, dude." Yeah, honestly. Yeah. And then he went and got like a case of beer, brought a case of beer back to the shop, and never talked to him ever since. Damn! I was yeah. playing on the beach in Laguna. I saw him walk by with his baby stroller and a kid, and I looked right at him. He looked right at me. Crazy. It's how these dudes are. Like it's yeah, there's crazy. a weird ass deal. It's a weird ass deal. I don't know. I'm trying to think of somebody that I just ignore when I see, you know, like I don't really have that. Well, you, know, you got sometimes it's like if you're being manipulated in some way, the best way to deal with it is to not deal with that person because no matter what you do, you're going to be, you're going to be manipulated. Yeah. That's, I call those my Morales rights. Like I have the right <laughs> to remain silent, you know? It's now, supposed to be the, now your Robbie Miranda rights. Oh, they have yeah. my Robbie Miranda <laughs> rights. Yeah. You have the right to, that, and that's what you have to do. Like even this, yeah, this is gonna bite me in the ass. All what, this the, shit I've been saying oh, yeah. for a little bit. You're yeah. definitely fucked. I'm fucked. Yeah. I well, if it's all honest. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, I'm glad you're talking about it because I feel like it, I feel like it has been pretty one-sided. You've been pretty quiet about all this stuff. So uh, yeah, I like, mean, I was honestly a little timid about even asking. No, I don't. But I don't care. We definitely had a lot more like, um, like cult guys on the podcast. Would you say? Uh, I guess no I one. Know, I, there yeah. hasn't been really any. Dak. I haven't really brought these conversations yeah. up. Corey Walsh, but Corey, we don't yeah. really but ever, we don't. That, talk that about was way that after yeah. S yeah. yeah, so. it was way after. I mean, okay. yeah, and Brad was before the fit stuff. So yeah, and I didn't like, even yeah. think too much into that. You know, you're saying all the. I was being like super positive about it, but I was just you know thinking one sided. I that's guess what you, know? you think. I mean, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's totally a good thing. And you know, I like I said, I'm I'm working on that. You know, I'm 50 now. I'll probably have it all figured out by the time I'm like 60, right. 65. You got it all like, figured out. You'll be like, <laughs> fucking got it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, it's all good. I mean, I couldn't be happier with where we're at. Yeah. You know, some of the revenue wise, the years after those guys left were my best years. Okay. That's, and, that, and all, that's funny you say that because I was literally going to ask you, like, yeah. when was when was the peak of the the buildings business and then when, as yeah. far as like, as you know, as far as revenue, but not necessarily like net profit. Cause there's the two don't always go oh, together. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask as far as you, like, what's your golden years of the building, you know, not well, revenue that. wise. Um, it was definitely two years, three years after all that drama. So like 2012 or 13 mm -hmm. were like the peak, but those years almost put me in the ground. I mean, mm -hmm. it was so crazy. The business was so big. That I, business I, was so big and that it almost put you in the ground. Dude, just, just working, working your death. Oh, that kind of day, in the ground. Getting so stressed, just getting so hammered, crashing my car, just you name it. I, I was like, it almost was the end of me. So that and was the peak of the madness. Why, was, like, why, madness why your, was it so company? crazy those years? Yeah. Like just the just hype of it. Just because the sales were so high. 
like I said, I was going to Taiwan four or five times a year okay. with Fit. That's what changed for me when we started Fit was S&M was all American made. It was super mm. easy for me. I'd been doing it since I was a teenager. Then we introduced wow, the, that's fit. Interesting. the Fit component to the business was complete bikes. That's where the money came from. Mm-hmm. Money does not come from the frames and the forks. You know, you get royalties on frames. Yeah. <laughs> you know how they sell. I wish I got royalties on the complete stuff bike. That, <laughs> yeah. Which is what, you know, I've always. The little kids complete bikes. I've always thought that about in skating, you go pro when you get your board. Mm-hmm. And you get your money from your board and there's, and you sell a shit ton of boards and you get a shit ton of money and BMX. I tried to do that with complete bikes with all those dudes. Mm-hmm. I had the, the Hawk. I had the D heart and the, um, uh, yeah. DAC. Yeah. I had, they all had bikes, right? And they were selling like crazy and they were all getting royalties on the bikes. And then somehow that all got turned on me and it was like, complete bikes are gay. And we don't, we don't want to have signature complete bikes. Like, okay. Fine. Then I guess nobody gets signature complete bikes anymore. You get signature frames. Whoop-dee-doo. Yeah. You know, oh, you get royalty report every quarter. Wait a second. We sold, you know, you're like, we sold 40 <laughs> SD frames yeah. in three months, and I get, what, five bucks a frame? I got 200 bucks for frame royalties in a quarter? Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if that would have been a complete bike, you would have had 10 grand. Yeah. Mm. So why are BMXers so confused on this? Like, get the signature complete bike. It sells thousands and thousands and thousands of units. Get the royalties on that. I mean, it doesn't have to be Mike Spinner. It doesn't have to be at Walmart. Yeah. But make a good complete bike. Put your name on it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That's how. That's what skaters do with decks. But in BMX, somehow that's not cool. So then the then the complete bike has to be named after like some kind of a like a death metal band or something, you know, it's like, Oh, the, yeah. The, the, the war bringer. The war bird. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. The denim and leather or some <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly. And then, okay. Then who, so I don't know. I feel like BMXers shoot themselves in the foot all the time, yeah. all over the place. Like they just want it rinky dink. They want the whole thing rinky dink and they, they kind of don't, but then well, they don't be, realize. Yeah, it's like you want to be cool. You want to be loved. And it's like, if it's, if it, if the perception that it damages your image, you know, like, uh, oh, I can't do this style video because people will think I'm not cool anymore. You know, like, right. it's like, yeah, but if the video gets, if it shows you as a person and it's like, you're funny and people like you more afterwards, wasn't it good? You know, but I don't know. I don't you know, know like, either, it's a, it's a, it's a line, you know, and I think and a I lot think of riders... it in BMX is who came up with the idea, right? So, yeah. you know, when you've got everybody's in the, in the, the smoky room, right. And you've got like, uh, like Tony Maloof and he comes up with the idea. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, this is so sick. You know, Tony came up with this idea. We're going to like make these little videos leading up to our <laughs> actual big video. <laughs> so sick, you know, this is so awesome. <laughs> And then Melissa comes up with an idea like that, and they're like, this bitch is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. stupid. We quit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I get it. Yeah. There is, a, there is something you know? to There actually is something to that. There really is something to it. Yeah, that's why yeah. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said it. I see it happen all the time. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. You can, you can be on both sides of the fence. Look at a guy like Hoder. You know, Hoder will smoke you under the table. Yeah. And then he'll come and talk to me and be like totally logical Mm -hmm. and he makes good decisions, but he's outside of the, he's outside of the click Mm -hmm. of the deals. So he gets money from us, you know, and a lot of it because his bars sell well, his frame sells well, his grips sell really well. I was going to say that when you put the names on stuff is like, grab a nice signature product. You can get some good. So he does really good with that. I, you know, I don't know if animal pays him, you know, 
a little bit here and there maybe, yeah. but that's it. No. No one else gets behind him. And it's, it's weird in BMX. You know, that's he's been the best guy. You know, I mean, there's lots of good guys in S&M and Fit and have been. But Mike is, he's at the top of my list. That's cool. That's it. he's so easy to work with. And he's, like, respectful. And he's polite. And then, man, when it's on, it's on. Mm-hmm. But That's he doesn't cool. go. He doesn't even go out and overwork himself every day trying to, you know, get an Instagram clip or. He's whatever. a seasoned pro at this point, you yeah. know. So yeah, uh, Hoder knows what's I feel, up. I feel He's like there's. Man. I feel like there's certain riders that get are, Hoder a shoe sponsor. Someone, right, come on. I know. What uh, I feel like there's there's certain riders that are like uh, I don't know about this analogy, but they're a planet and then they have moons around them, and it's like if it, if it, they're the center of the they're the center of it, and then you got these little people that listen to them, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Hoder is his own type of person and other people. Wow. I really lost this. Yeah, where are you going? Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm Woo! waiting to see where that was. A, that was a, I just got, I think the eclipse. fucking, that yeah, was an I think the fucking, your planet and your moon <laughs> just aligned and I just went dark. Over there. Yeah. So Hoder's a moon and he's got people gravitating. Around <laughs> no, him. you missed it. Who's, Hoder's the planet. Who's floating around Hoder's the Hoder. planet. <laughs> is it because Hoder's I think that, so big? I think that was the vaccine. Hoder, I, Hoder I the, thought that was the vaccine coming through right there. He has COVID due to the vaccine. Is this day two on our second shot? This is day one. No, I'm at, I'm at 24 hours. It sounded really cool. I was yeah. waiting to see where that went. I was yeah. like, what are you saying? Budget? I felt like Fuck I it. was in that, that Indy couch in Long Beach. Right? The Aubrey yeah. Mockers podcast there. going on. <laughs> you were in the power pyramid. With At least it wasn't a run-on sentence, too, maybe. You, you stopped there. it. Yeah, I stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Hoder's dope. All right, <laughs> yeah. There we uh, go. I love Mike Hoder. Let's, uh, so you said He's you, a love, you, and love, and you love Hoder. I literally have a question in here. Uh, who's been the biggest pain in the ass over the years? So I, I listed some names. Probably had a lot of those. I, I listed some names that I thought potentially could be uh, at the top of the list: Climber, Levan, nope, Gons, nope, Stricker, nope, Marvin. Nope. I feel like Marvin maybe at the top. Nope. Uh, Nastasio, Bennett, no. McMurray, nope. Butler, Foster, nope. Kareem. Foster. Butler. Butler. Little pain in the butt. Probably the. But honestly, for me, Sean McIntosh. Oh yeah, yeah. Biggest pain in the ass. <laughs> no offense, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. He's a great dude when he's charming you yeah when he's yeah. trying to charm you yeah. to get what he wants but boy when things go goofy he's out no he's he's just i saw he commented on the instagram post too what what he did yeah oh he, he probably hates me yeah what did it say said something like because it obviously there's like financial figures in that on the on the to be discussed uh, yes. thing and uh and he said something like oh i should have got paid more that was his Instagram comment or something. You know, it's so, it's so crazy. I, I, well, look, Sean McIntosh rips, and yeah, he can, those crazy and parts. he could, yeah. But beyond the like banger, like dead man shit, he can ride. Like he can ride, ride. Mm-hmm. He can flow through the park. He can do a turn down. He can do anything. He can do a flip. He just doesn't show that stuff. He doesn't even want people to know he does that stuff. No, he he shreds. Yeah, just absolutely shreds. I love his riding. Um, he was difficult to deal with for sure, but uh, I think it was still cool to have him on fit. I mean, his, that holy fit part was outrageous. Insane, yeah. A double, it was a double, it was a double section. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, you know, and he felt like it should have been the ending part. That's why he was so mad. Mm. He felt like he should have got you know video part of the year. Instead, Van got the last part. Van yeah. got video writer of the year, and then you know Sean got super mad and and told me I was like, dude chill out this is van homan's last this could possibly be yeah. van's last video part ever and it's killer yeah we're gonna put it last he's gonna win the part 
And then I told him it was going to be his last video part. And then Sean Mack told me, yeah, it's going to be my last video part too. And I went, oh. Mentality. Like, Dude, you're like yeah. 26. Come <laughs> yeah. on. Don't be like that. But yeah. that was it. And then it was never. Then he showed up to the party with like Reynolds and those guys and almost missed it and was hammered and yeah. was going to quit. And I had to drive up to L.A. and go to lunch with them the next day and try and hug it out. And I was just like, this sucks, man. I want to deal with professionals. Like this dude's so good, but he's just out there. Yeah. He's having some serious psychological problems with himself. And I can't deal with that. That's why I hired Robbie to deal with people like that. Like yeah. I can't deal with it. Yeah. I got to go back and deal with the fucking iguana dude. You know, <laughs> <laughs> crazy business. Like, I crazy feel. Dude. I yeah. feel like it is one of those things where you've just had so many of these relationships <laughs> yeah. so o- over yeah. so many years that yeah. I mean, that a people team are... manager is a real job. You pay someone yeah. to do. You can't add that. That'd be like, all right, you're gonna weld the frames and be the team manager. You got yeah. enough of your own shit going on. You do. Yeah, I know. You need someone to do that. Yeah, every company needs one of those, and I know they now hiring. <laughs> Anyone out there? Team, man- team management. Well, Ben Thien's supposed to be the fit team manager. Um, he doesn't want me to put that title out there publicly, but that's yeah, supposed to be because he doesn't title. because he probably knows he doesn't want to manage. He's fucking no. Everybody like a lot of writers want to. He's manage. such a nice dude. I can't see him being like nah, <laughs> kicking anyone off or no, cracking the whip. Like Pova's a, Pova can be a good team manager. Yeah, um, but a lot of times if you can mix these personality types, like you can be strict but you can be cool. It's it's a it's a young man's game, man. It you is. Gotta, you got to party no. with the dudes, yeah, and no, then you got to you got to like rally them, but you got to party with them. And it, it, if you're getting, your got to be a road warrior. You're living in a van, like it's tough. Yeah, those are the best team managers, the young ones who like. There ain't no, just there's down. no team managers that are dads, that's for sure. And skating there is, which is weird, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but skating's reached a new level yeah. of professionalism. Like that, the because you're a team manager, you also got your filmers and photographers. Now a team manager is like in BMX, you gotta, you should well, film and shoot. Realistically, like, in my opinion, the professionalism comes with the money. So yeah. if you're making good money, like real money, you know, if you can, if you're getting up there in that. 10, 10 grand a month range from all your people combined. Your family's going to understand you living in a Now you're a pro. Mm-hmm. Now you got to start acting like a pro. But if you're making $600 a month from bike riding, <laughs> yeah, however the do fuck you that? want. No. What are you gonna, yeah, you're not no. going to bother being a pro yeah. or even caring. You're mm-hmm. like, fuck it, I make $600 a month. You know, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Yeah. So in skating, people make a lot more money. Bigger yep. industry. So they tend to act more professionally yeah I, I think you can have a family and be a team manager well i mean yeah i don't think i wish bmx would go that route like i wish bike riding would go that route but what i was going to say about like the the comments i read all the time that are like so misled in my opinion they say like oh so and so you know risked his life for molar and then molar gave a minimum wage i've seen some of those comments those, like i see it i've been seeing it for years first of all I'll get this out there I don't want anybody to risk their life. Okay? Yeah, I hate true. seeing people get hurt. Hate it. Were you at the contest down here that one time that the dude came off the wall ride and snapped his tib fib and it was compound? I think you were there. At the Claremont contest? Yeah. yeah. I came down there to try and like, I wanted to sponsor Chad Curley. Me and mm. Melissa went. We were like, we wanted to hook up Chad Curley and I kept trying to. I think that was like the same day Premium was there too. Yeah. Oh, that was that story. Uh, right? I was trying yeah. to get in front of Chad Curley to talk to him, but he didn't like to talk to people back then. And I was like, who do I talk to? And someone was like, talk to Losi or talk to his dad. Or And we tried all day to get something going with uh, Curley, but we couldn't and we left. But the one thing we did see was the dude compound tib fib. And it was one of Melissa's first contests. And she was like, 
man, I've been to X Games snowboard contests, worked those. I've worked surf contests my whole life at Chopu and Pipe. And BMX is everyone. so gnarly and she was like, sometimes. This is the man. gnarliest shit. Yeah. And the kid was screaming, hit the ground, said, ah! That shit just snapped. Then I took her to another contest at, at uh, the compound when Peraza landed and his handlebar snapped. And it sliced up. Oh the my god! That, sc- that scar on his arm is yeah, insane. I watched it happen because yeah. I brought I brought uh, AJ and Naya there, and oh. AJ won the contest. Me and Melissa drove AJ to that contest. AJ won, but uh, when Peraza sliced the inside of his arm with that handlebar, yeah. and he was just screaming, he's like, ah, and it went and just opened up. She was just like, "Get me the fuck out!" She of almost here. never wanted to go to the yeah. contest again. And then she was working the X Games when Van cracked his skull. <laughs> And she kept telling the uh, security, she was working the course. Melissa, she's on the walkie-talkie. She kept telling the people on the course, Van is down. Like, Van is down. He's cracked his skull. Something's happened. Whatever. They just got him over to the athlete area. And I just said, okay, whatever. And then him and his, his ex-wife just, just like drifted off. Then he went back to the hotel and, and his, head, oh my God. his skull was cracked from here to here in half. And he went into some crazy like fit, and she called me or um, what was her name? I can't remember her name. Uh, Sharon? No, it was Van's wife. His first oh, wife. I don't know. But yeah. anyway, uh, she I thought called, you were talking about she called me or she called Melissa or something, and then they sent the ambulance over there or someone did, and then he went to Cedar Sinai and he was in there for like a week. Jesus. And with his head cracked in half, and then after that, he had to wear helmets. Yeah. That was the last event. Yeah, it was the last. So one. Melissa saw all these injuries and she kind of got a bad taste in her mouth about bmx comp she was like this shit's gnarly then she worked big air in austin mm. and that like what's his name mccain or whatever he just the aussie kid yeah i don't remember what that like, crash though blah, pff, pff, they slide when they're <laughs> unconscious on the big yeah big yeah air, and they just slide oh, out Steve the McCain, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Steve, right right in right Steve in front it. of you yeah yeah, they just slide out no and they're like snoring she was just like this is terrifying yeah Surfing's gnarly. And my girlfriend talks about that that reef's so shallow right there. I'm like, there's not even water ever. Whenever we're yeah, riding, it's always I went, zero. I went, I went to the sun. I went to uh, Arica, Chile for the Rip Curl Search in like 2008 yeah. on the heaviest slab ever. It is nuts. And, and I never saw and what, and I never saw one dude get hurt. Yeah, that's a thing. They're you know, so good. Yeah, when at it. You got to be really cautious if you're falling in ten foot waves straight to a reef. Yeah. And Melissa used to work that Chopu contest every year, and she never really saw anyone get hurt either. I mean, those guys are at such a high level. Yeah, it's crazy. Any regular guy goes out there. Yeah, he's gonna break his femurs. Yeah, just instantly, you know. But yeah. anyway, I don't. First of all, I don't want to see anyone die. <laughs> okay, okay. Don't get hurt. That. So people are always like, you know, good oh, the minimum wage for molars. Like, dude, you know what? Please, if you're not feeling it, if you don't want to do this for yourself, if this isn't personal, if you're not challenging yourself, if you're not 110 percent fired up to go down this, do this, by all means. Pull out, go home, don't do it. Yeah. Because if there's any hesitation in your attitude at all right now, you're gonna get fucked. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking, if you're up there thinking, "Well, I'm gonna do this for Molar," go home. <laughs> Seriously, go home. I don't want to see you do it. Because the people I want to see do that, don't. They're doing it for themselves. Yeah. And no other reason. And if you're squeamish, hesitant, doubting yourself in any way, shape, or form, you do not do it. And don't do it for me. You know, all I want you to do is have like a, an image or a style that people want to emulate and then kids are stoked on you, want to follow you and want to buy our shit. Okay. I don't want you to go head first down a 
down El Toro, <laughs> smash your face. I wonder where that comes from. Then I those know. comments that always circulate. I think it's people that aren't, aren't that necessarily when... in the industry, or you know, yeah. they're not really like. It's weird though. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it could be just one person said something. Which is a weird take. The whole little it. bubble of a you know being on the stoner couch and everyone just starts. They're like they're they're like bitter kids, you know, and they just they're just confused about it. Like, yeah. um, if that's your style of writing, and that's what you do. Then that's what you do. No, I feel you. It's like if you're doing, like you said, why would you don't want them no. out there thinking they're going to do it for you? You didn't send them a text saying, "Hey, no. you're getting a huge raise if you get that rail to rail tonight." I learned that so early on. Like I was at a contest at uh, Skate Street in Ventura, mm. and Troy McMurray. He he and I never tell people what to do. Like I'm not a deck dude. I don't hang out in the VIP area at the contest. I'm in the stands with the regular you know people all the time. But this one particular time, I was down on the course, and it was like end of the comp and troy asked me what should i do and i go dude honestly your threes are so dialed and your smith down that ledge is so good i was like just three and land in the smith because <laughs> it seems so natural to me yeah it was like he did it no <laughs> front peg slipped off teeth into the coping broke uh... all his teeth out and he's laying there on the ground a pool of blood was growing but. And I was like, uh, sorry about that, dude. Yeah. Let's get in the van. We got to drive back. Yeah. It was that, the, that one and only time? Yeah. Like, I'm not and, telling anyone and, to do it. And we're going to stop at the strip club on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably down, though. He was in the van with all his teeth broke out. And we were like, dude, we're going to the Jumbo's Clown Room in Hollywood on the way back. He's like, dude, just, just fucking leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be long. Yeah. So after that, I was like, oh, I'm not. In my head, I'm always seeing like shit. And I'm like, man, if I if I were Jordan Hango, I'd be doing this. You mm -hmm. know? If I were so and so, I'd be doing that. Yeah, but that. you don't want to see someone get hurt with your you ideas. Do not I used see to be like that, always like filming the market video, pumping people up, and you see a few people get hurt on your ideas and it's the same thing. Just like Just do them yourself. Yeah, exactly. Or just Yeah. Maybe give them a hint. Like, that looks cool, but don't be like And I'm you know what? I'm a weird dude to uh accuse of paying people minimum wage to to risk their lives because i mean i don't do that crazy dead man shit i mean i did rails and stuff back in the early days and a few handrails in the early 90s and did some tricks that nobody else ever did before and and i've been hurt i've gotten hurt a lot over the years and uh but i do this shit because i love it like i get it in my head that i want to do something and it's not about uh business or you know, I don't have sponsors. I don't make money on a bike. I just, you want to do something. You want to make it through that section. You want to three that. You want to tuck no hander that, bar spin that, whatever it is. You want to do it. That's when you do it. Like you said, too, the riders you want to sponsor aren't the guys just sending dead man shit all the time. You've had them on your teams from yeah. from time to time, but it's like you, your videos are always so well-rounded. There's everything. You want the you want your rider to be cool. You don't want them to be just evil Knieveling at every video part. Like right. It's going to get yeah. old, and you're going to have a dude that's like, borderline going to get hurt every year yeah it's those influential writers that that are the, you know really good for business and you know like uh like brian wismerski i mean he's had his own look he had that race background he could dirt jump and then he's like all these skate inspired moves on street and that kind of you look at those parts now or edwin's early parts you know mm -hmm. even before he was on fit yeah you look back at what he was doing you're like man that it's kind of what dudes are doing now yeah mm -hmm. influential I think Wismerski doesn't get credit that he deserves. So no, it's good I, to see him. He's like been posting that he's gotten back on a bike. Oh, really? I know I know for a little while he was like kind of kind of one of those bitter dudes didn't really care for 
the industry and BMX as a whole, yeah. but I think kind of found and you know honestly, well. like his it all did come to an unceremonious end for him. Oh really? Yeah, I mean yeah. it was just like overnight, but uh, unfortunately shouldn't have. I think that, that's another. thing. I think he was like finding himself too. Yeah. I feel like he was like kind of all over the place with music well, and you yeah, know. totally. And you know I learned this early on, like in the late eighties, I had paying sponsors. I was on Airwalk Shoes. I got a check. I was on Life's a Beach Clothing. I got a check. I was on ODI Grips. I got a check. Power Bar. I got a check. I got a lot of checks coming in there for a while in the late 80s, early 90s. And one day, uh, I just got dropped. I tore my ACL at the Brooklyn Banks doing like a fakey trick on one of the poles Mm -hmm. and tore my ACL, came home, had to get surgery, and I couldn't ride for like eight months, you know, seven, eight months. I got dropped by Airwalk. And I basically got dropped by everybody. And I was like, this is, this is so lame. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that it got to be like this. Because like in skating, you can be on a brand for life. You can be a brand ambassador. You know, it's not the flow, pro, bro, you know, go program that BMX has. Like guys will be on a brand for life. Yeah. You know, like Mark Gonzalez and then Adidas. Like how long has Mark Gonzalez been I mean, on that's, Adidas? Yeah, that's crazy. Decades. Well, and, so I guess, that, I mean, that leads into Aiken, right? Like what yeah, is, I mean, is is he on fit for life essentially? Not just not another put I mean, on another handshake. I mean, I but talked like, to him for a long time last night and uh, to Mikey last night, and I, you know, he read that stuff and that post. That post affected a lot of people because you know there's 30 employees full time. Yeah, yeah. There's 20 salaried riders. Mm-hmm. There's probably six 1099 video graphics marketing, et cetera, et cetera, people. So now we're up to 50 or 60 people mm-hmm. who make a living on S&M and Fit. And then on, beyond that, we have hundreds of bike shops that sell our stuff for a big portion of their sales. And then we have distributors around the world with teams of their own, S&M and Fit. And then we also have uh, vendors and suppliers. So we're talking hundreds of people yeah. that derive like a big portion or a portion of their livelihood from S&M and Fit. And then this thing pops up we're selling the company. Yeah. <laughs> when I went into work, so I'm in San Clemente right now, living in a, staying for the week in a house that's being remodeled. So it's like a construction site. And Melissa's got the girls in Colorado. She, I'm planning on getting up at six. I got my alarm set for six. I got a big day yesterday. Five o'clock, phone rings. I pick it up. She goes, have you seen it? I said, have I seen what? She's like, some dude in Australia posted something about S&M and Fit being for sale. I go, oh my God. Is it for sale? I honestly, I haven't asked you directly because I so was like, I, I feel like you're, fu- I literally told my wife, I was like, I feel like he's fucking with I'm me. not, I'm not here. I'm going to tell you the, the story. And that's why I wanted to come here today. Yeah. So I don't have to personally call mm-hmm. like hundreds of people. I already called, you know, uh, Mikey called me, Behringer called me, of um, course, yeah. you know, some of my closest friends that I've been around for a long time in BMX called me, you know, I talked to Heath out in the, in the parking lot, you know, uh, Penner, lots of people I've talked to, but what happened was a few months ago, uh, I was talking to this guy that sells businesses and he was like, have you ever thought about selling your business? I go, yeah, I have thought about it. In fact, you know, Billy Danishak from DK, I went to lunch with him once. He wanted to buy S and M didn't, you know, I didn't want to do it. Specialized hit me up back in the day in like the early nineties. They wanted to buy S and M. I didn't want to do it. Haro, Tony D remember Tony D mm-hmm. one day, Tony D called me. This is when like everybody was still there. Like all the original or the younger fit dudes that left for cult. Tony D calls me and he's like, are you, you know, Moeller, are you sitting down? I go, no, I'm not sitting down, but just tell me what you got to say, dude. And he goes, we want to buy, you know, fit. 
I go, okay. Uh, he goes, how much? I go, let me call you back. So I hang up. I think about it for a little bit and put like thought into it. And I needed to do something that was so good that I could take care of everybody and then do something else. I called him back. I go, 10 million. And then he went quiet and I went, are you sitting down? (laughs) 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 Like he wanted me to sit down. Yeah. He needed to sit down. (laughs) He was like, 10 million? I go, yeah, dude, that's what it's worth. Bye. What was he expecting to buy from? Did he ever tell <laughs> you? Knows. I don't no, know. I didn't ever give you. A- but what it was, I think, Tony D, Tony D's Robbie's boy. So I think Robbie was, that was one of his original ways he was trying mm. to get out. He hit up Tony D and was like, you buy it. Yeah. And then I'll run it. Yeah. Mm. You know, so that mm. was the, one of the original outs that didn't work. Mm. But, you know, Tony D. Now Tony D's over at, what, USA Freestyle? Mm-hmm. Where's all that budget go to? Where's that women's team budget go to? What company? Uh, I don't know. One company. What? I don't know his answer. Cult. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because of Paris and Angie, right? Yeah. 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 Like, Angie yeah. rode for fit. Yeah. And then quit when the, when the USA BMX freestyle program started. And I saw Robbie in Vegas with Tony D, and they were all having a meeting, and... That budget sends those girls all over the world to all these events, and they all happen to ride for cult. Yeah, yeah. They don't ride for fit, you know? That's the kind of manipulation that's going on out yeah. there, you know? Like vans. You're not going to – it's unbelievable to me that Huckers on S&M and vans, and now um, Corey is also on S&M and vans. And I know those dudes love – vans loves Corey, and they love Hucker. Yeah. But they hate me, and they hate S&M and fit. So the fact that those two dudes can stay on vans is like amazing to me. Yeah. You know, it's amazing that you're on vans actually, you know, in my opinion. I'm grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, vans is sick. But anyway, the company sale thing, vans is a big part of my thought process on this. Cause I always think about how vans, vans was struggling to even be in business many, many times when the Van Dorans were running it themselves. Mm-hmm. And even in like the nineties when everybody was on big puffy shoes, like Duff's and DC's vans were lame. Nobody wanted vans, you know, like I would wear vans and other people would wear vans. Old school dudes would wear vans, but the company was, they almost, were kind of like punk rock. It was like a core little group that and was they were almost them. out of business. Mm-hmm. And then they sold it and sold it again. And that company has been sold a few times, but now that it's part of VF Corp and it's so big, you know, with, Wrangler and Lee or whatever, all these other brands that they own. It's super corporate, but they have so much money that they can make it seem like it's not corporate and they can do so much cool shit for so many people and do so many good events and charities and this, that, and the other that if you look at two companies like Etnies, that's still privately owned by the same dude that started it. And you look at Vans, which is owned by one of the biggest corporations in the world, which company do most people think is more core? They think Vans is more core because Vans throws so much money at so much cool shit that you can't not help but think it's core. You're doing the warp tour and you're doing all these charities and the triple crown on the North Shore and you're doing all these basically run BMX events. And it wasn't for vans. All these dudes and pay Daryl now and pay Crandall and pay all these dudes to come out and you know it so in my my head, the guy says to me, Have you ever thought about selling your business? I thought, you know what, I have lots of times. But I don't want to. I don't really want to because I love it and I love running it. So then I start talking to this guy. He's like, well, let's just put it together. Let's put together like a, let's put together a pack and let me get it to some fully vetted P 
people with signed non-disclosure agreements for their eyes only after we figure out if they even have like the assets or the capital necessary to make this kind of acquisition. And let's just see who's out there if, in case there's a possibility that I could team up with somebody that can bring something else to the table that I can't, whether that's, you know, better manufacturing, different warehousing, you know, uh, better distribution or, you know, better websites or B2B, B2C. Yeah, I'm down. Like, I don't want to sell it, but I'll look at any opportunity and I'll look at any scenario. But regardless of what happens, I want to run it and I want my key people to be there. And I want it to, I want to do it my way, but I want it to be better and maybe we can blow it up. You know, mm-hmm. I've been kind of stuck in here for, you know, decades. Let, if I want to go up here, I might need somebody else to come in and get involved. Right. So that's so, why you're saying the thing with vans is like that took them to this. It did. VF and Corp they can do even more cool stuff. And that's where you're an the, injection yeah. of dollars. And, and for me, I started the company to make bikes and do bike stuff. And now all of a sudden I'm so bogged down in BS on a daily basis, inner office drama, team rider drama, mm-hmm. internet drama. I'm arguing with kids on Instagram. You know, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. And now I'm like, at the end of a day goes, sometimes a whole day goes by and I go, the fuck did I did do? Did I do anything bike related today at all? Like, did I design a part? Mm. Did I cook up a new idea? You know, and we've done like, we did the first integrated headset in BMX. We did the bolt-on brake mounts first in BMX. We've done so much stuff first in BMX and freestyle that that's the way we used to operate. And now I'm just like bogged down in BS every day. So I'm thinking to myself, what if some big-ass firm comes in and they have like office staff and a CFO and and they, they put st- structure to all this and then they just go to Moeller for like bike stuff and like and I'm getting a salary and all my dudes are getting salaries and I got a long-term deal. I'm not the owner. Yeah. Well, I don't care. What's it make it? How's You're that even still matter? Doing the same yeah, stuff you with did more that. Focus. You did that for 35 years. I'm doing years. the same stuff with more focus. Still making money, getting a paycheck, doing what I want to do. And cooler and shit goes into BMX. Cooler shit happens. Period. I'm going to events. I'm riding my bike. I'm doing stuff I want to do. I'm sure I'm not the owner, but why do I care? I've been the owner since I was in 11th grade. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. And I still no... get a check. I just get. A, I'm a salaried employee. Yeah. Of my own company. So what does it matter who the owner is, right? But the deal was this packet, whatever, only goes to people that sign the NDA and that are qualified and vetted and not a bunch of tire kickers or yahoos or just industry dudes, right? Not on biz stuff, dot biz Somehow, or whatever. this guy, this uh, sales, the rep guy, never told me that he was gonna publish this ad in some kind of a business journal. And then all the numbers are a little bit goofy. Some of them are low and weird. He left out some stuff, included some stuff that nobody even wants to know. Says, I want to retire. Yeah, that was, that was, which is totally wrong. That's at the very bottom. And you're like, oh shit. Totally wrong. Like I didn't proof it. Uh, Honestly, my first, my first response was, no, fuck it. He earned it. Yeah, and I got in a, a, in a, in a sense, you know, super like, cool to get a lot of those comments. Like yeah. I, I've heard from people in the last 24 hours I haven't heard from since like the nineties. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of so much, like uh, so much supportive stuff. Like yeah. congratulations, you deserve it. This, but it's all fake. Like I'm not, I don't want to retire. In fact, we're moving back to California in July. Mm-hmm. Our house will be done. I'll be here full time again. I'll go back to visiting Colorado, but I'll live here again. Yeah. And I want to work every day. And I want to make the shit cool. This is just one possible 
this is just one possible scenario that could play out. Yeah. Um, so it is real. That ad is out there, but it's not a buy now. It's not eBay. Yeah. You got, <laughs> yeah. I haven't even talked to one person yet. And you know when that thing came out? How long has it been out? It, that thing leaked yesterday at 5 a.m. <laughs> it leaked in Australia, of all places, on a BMX racing site in Australia. Hmm. And then Melissa called me. She's like, it's a shit storm. It's a fucking screenshot shit storm, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can't even believe it. Now, I go into work. I'm in, I'm in work by like 8, and, and everybody thinks they're losing their job. Yeah. And I just watched Jason's phone. It's like every dude in the BMX industry is texting. Everybody's just like... Everyone's getting blown. Yeah. My phone, like smoke, is coming out of my. Adam's head. Adam said he was fielding phone calls from people. Oh, like, and I heard like, from our like international distros in Australia, Ian Morris and in, in uh, Hastings. Everybody's getting blown up. And I was like, "This is." This Does it is do? Crazy. I mean, I feel like it almost wow. does damage to your business. No, I think it actually ended up being very positive. The guy messed up, and I called him and said, "Man, I'm so bummed. Yeah, that you did this. I told you that this would happen if you did something like this, and he didn't listen to me. This was supposed to be for." Only serious, big-time investors, players, yeah. you know? People with factories and facilities yeah. and staffs, like big-time people. Like Ken Stone that owns Haro, you know? Something like that. Ken Stone's huge. Bob Haro own... did something similar to this, right? Yeah, Bob Haro he, sold... He more let it go. He sold it to, like, his distributor huh. out here. And then later, that distributor sold it to Ken Stone. Okay. So Haro, as far as I Is know... Is Ken Stone a person or a company? Ken Stone's a Sounds huge like... company okay. that owns... Bicycle manufacturing and assembly plants in mm. Taiwan. I've been to their buildings. I used to work and made fits in the building next door to Kenstone. Okay. So Kenstone owns Haro, and I think Joe Fox runs it, right? Joe Hawk. Or Joe Hawk, yeah. yeah. So Joe Hawk. I Different animal. Some animal. Yeah. <laughs> so this isn't what you would do, though. You'd It wouldn't be like to that extent. Of what no, I don't want to disappear and race go-karts. I mean, mm. that's what Bob <laughs> Haro did. That's not my deal. And then did you notice, like, he only owned Haro for, like, what, 10 years? Yeah, not very Never long. since I was around. And then Haro. all of a sudden he wants to come back into it. That's exactly what would happen. Like, I'm not, I love my job. Idle I hands. Just, yeah. I love BMX and bikes. I don't like bullshit. Mm -hmm. So I'm just look. I'm just thinking outside the box in a different scenarios that could play out. Um, is this going to happen? I doubt it. But the positive side of it is I've got a lot of good feedback from a lot of people like, oh, the price is way too low and it, it needs to include this. It needs to include that. And this isn't right and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So now I'll go back to this guy and either just take the listing down. I got to read my contract with them. Take the listing down. Now nah, I don't even want to do this at all. Or we got to modify it and start talking to other players. So every morning, you know, in the last couple of weeks, he'll tell me, okay, this is who hit us up today. So after that thing hit yesterday... <laughs> This is where it gets really funny. 6 a.m. or something, that thing comes out. First call. Guess who's the first call? Robbie. Yep. And he gives me the transcription of the conversation. And Robbie says to him, you know, oh, is this real? Is this really for sale? And the guy's like, yes, it's real. Yes, it's for sale. And and then, then Robbie's like, I know the owner. I'm super excited to, to look into this. And then the guy says, it doesn't say what company it is. How do you know the owner? And he's like, oh, I can just tell. And you can, because it's a started in 1987 yeah. in Orange County, yeah. BMX bikes by the, the founder still runs it. Yeah. I called that guy and I go, what part of this doesn't say it's us? He's like, it doesn't say S&M or Fit. It That's funny. Say, I didn't even notice say, that. It, you know, just reading it though, you're like, oh, it's S&M like, and it Fit. Say, I didn't even know it didn't say S&M and Fit. And the, so only, the, only reason, the only reason I know it was Robbie's because he told me he called. Uh, yeah. So he, call, he called me as well. Like, yeah. 
Last year, I got a call from Zach, you know, at Kink. And I'm friends with Zach forever yeah. since before he even started Kink. And he calls me. He's like, hey, you know, I want to buy like S&M and Fit. And I was like, well, dude, I don't want to sell you S&M and Fit. So. That's no. great. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. That's, I mean, well, one. So this happens one, all the time. And people yeah. freak out like, oh, my God. Look, honestly, everything, with the exception of like my kids, everything is for sale at any time. I don't care. Everything. You know, like I walk out there. You want to buy the truck I drove up in? I'll sell it to you and get on the train and go home. Make yeah. a good enough offer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Everything's for sale, honestly. Who you split the money up with later, that's key. You know, who got you there, whatever, like taking care of people, that would be key too. But honestly, it's like most stuff's for sale depending on the offer. Yeah, for sure. What I guess I, I I don't even know where to go from. I mean, that's one. It's like it's fucking awesome that it's not that it's not this doom and gloom scenario. Like, yeah, I'm fucking done. You know, like because I feel like that's that's kind of uh, no. the almost the expected type thing. Like, hey, dude, I'm no, fucking have, I'm fucking older. I'm, I, I want to so chill. Much, I have so much energy. Like, I feel like I could start this business tomorrow and I'd be fine. <laughs> like, I'm fired up. I yeah. always want to go. I'm just sick of bullshit. Yeah. You know, I want to find a way to to configure the company so that it can be better, cooler, and move ahead. I don't want to get bogged down in a bunch of managerial baloney all the time while a bunch of younger people are coming up and doing really cool shit. And I'm up here just trying to like, you know, manage the farm. That's yeah. what happens. And that's yeah. why these companies flip. As of right now, no one's ever owned a BMX company longer than I have. That's amazing. So it's the longest, you know, individually owned BMX company ever yeah. already. But that's why they come to a close and, and come to an end because this weird thing happens, you know, and people, they either like, they die, they get divorced and then that business dissolves. They get out of touch. They just stay in it for the wrong reasons. They, if you like, if I ever get up and look at my bike and I'm like, I don't even look at it. Like, I don't want to ride it. I don't even care about it. I'll start thinking about maybe doing something else, yeah. you know, but for now I go out in the garage and I see my bike and I'm like, man, I gotta get to PT in the morning, get this arm ready. Cause I want to like go ride my bike and I might only ride it once a week or once every couple weeks, but that's enough. That's yeah. Like I'm still stoked on that. And as long as I'm stoked on that, I'm going to be stoked on the business, but people just see things like black or white. They're like, Oh, the company is sold. Like, no, I just, no, it's not. Like I said, it's not buy now on eBay. If somebody calls me. Yeah, you don't me, toss the keys and walk no, away. Even yeah. now, I've learned so much in the last 24 hours that I'll go back and tell that guy, look, send me that as a Word doc because I'm going to completely rewrite it and we're going to change everything. So I already learned a lot. But how Good do you looking know, man how do you know has owned this for 30 plus years. Exactly. Yeah. How do you know how much <laughs> your company's worth unless somebody offers to pay you? Mm-hmm. You're, you're only worth what somebody will actually pay you. Mm-hmm. You can say you're worth x amount all day long but until somebody actually gets the checkbook out or the bitcoin transfer you know you're not worth shit yeah like did you get it no you didn't get it you weren't worth it no no if you can seriously get it if you can get the guy to write the check and then go well that's what i'm worth because you just wrote the check yeah yeah so now I'm starting to know more about like what my company's really worth. So that the I want idea- someone to buy it for something you're stoked on and you can blow it up even bigger. I like that idea. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, I've sick. already done this for 35 years. Like, why, why do you want to do the same exact thing? Oh, I like the idea. It's cool to hear. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I would love to do something different. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. just that ad was just misleading. 
That's all it was because it's it, totally it, it, didn't, it didn't say as like like yeah. oh owner wants to stay on as like a, here's you know, why here's why it whatever. happened because they sent me this questionnaire and I had no idea it was going to be in like a listing and a newspaper type thing yeah. or a website with ads. No one ever told weird. me that. that seems Super. Very the photo's weird. so weird too. It's a little dumb. It's the same ad that's on a that's dance comp so face. Weird. It's a photo. That's a weird. It's like a kick out the wrong way. <laughs> it's a fake. It, they use the same exact photo on a dance comp Facebook ad. It's oh weird. It's God. super. It's super. Is that guy gonna come after us? Is this right? like a hyper deal? Yeah, like, I don't is know. That dude gonna That's what confused me. I was like, I know this is S and M, but what the hell? Who is, who is that, that guy? Yeah. Like, I'd never seen it. I, I never mean, even seen that skate park either. I was like, where the fuck? Melissa is it? sent me the link, and that was the first time I had I had ever seen it. That's amazing. And I was like, what is? Can imagine what's going why, on Here's why. Funny other people saw it before you even saw that. This guy, this firm, sent me this checklist of things to answer, and I was like, so busy doing a bunch of other shit. I was like. I'm going to go one or two word answers on all these, you know? Mm -hmm. And then when I got to, why are you considering selling your business? The real answer is I'm sick of bullshit and people's drama. And I want to do a bunch of bike stuff. And I want to sign on with whoever would buy it for a decent amount of money for a long period of time to run it. But I was like, that is a crazy ass sentence. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just wrote it. <laughs> I should. Yeah. I should have just wrote it because honestly, retirement. And then everyone puts it together like, oh, he just had kids. They moved to Colorado. They're in the mountains. <laughs> literally, yeah. literally like, what I he's said. He's fly fishing. Yeah. Whatever. He's out. He did it. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, I'm in Colorado. Like, man, I got to get back out to Cali. Yeah. Behringer literally sent a, us a DM because he said DMS questions. He was like, yeah. is he, he used to talk, Muller used to talk about uh, sailing around the world. Maybe he's going to buy a boat no, and dude, sail around the world. You know what? That's from Behringer. Like, that's <laughs> before I spent a couple years in uh, Newport Sailing Academy and learning how to sail and realized that I get deathly seasick. Oh, yeah. I can't fucking. So I was out. Uh, before. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I would like to do some long distance sailing, get a boat and shit. And then I went to sailing school for a while. And then once we sucks. once we got out in the ocean, I was mm, like, I'm a surfer. Worst. How do surfers get seasick? I was like the most seasick dude ever. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to reset that camera because I'm getting really pan I set my I set an alarm. Um, how long have we been at this? Uh, we're at two hours and forty-seven minutes on oh, this. So we're pretty a, much there. Yeah, and well, I mean, this, you've already. Yeah, yeah, I think you. I think you've beat the beat the record. But I'm still down to talk more. I just want to reset that camera. Yeah, we can paranoid. wrap it up in some nah. succinct, cool way. Well, I mean, it's cool how it was like so natural. You just told the yeah. whole story all the way to uh, the selling thing without asking really any. I didn't really ask any questions. Just listened. <laughs> it's all over the map, but it's, you know. it's beautiful. I loved it. I know it's a good one when I could just sit back and like, you know, I, I forget to ask anything. I'm just like, wow, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, 35 years is a long time to be doing something. Yeah, it's longer than I've been alive. And you've been, that's how long you've been at this company. How old are you? 30. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 30, 35 years. Fucking crazy. That's what you're going to do then. Cause I think, did you send that to me last night? I think I seen it for the first time, not even 24 hours ago. And I was like, yeah, I sent it to you. Well, because I was like, are you available? And I said, please say yes. So yeah. I yeah. I, I mean, I, I would have done it anyway, but I really wanted you to That's be here. Great. And I kind of took you could feel the vibe, right, Budger? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, uh, he's like, Dennis might not be there. And, uh, well, I just didn't know. <laughs> I just didn't know because I mean, I knew. He, I, as I said, I was like, he's been around and he's gonna be around. Yeah. Well, when I talked to Hucker this morning too, and he was like, "Oh shit, I'm not gonna have a bike sponsor anymore." I was like, "Fuck, no one knows this. This is interesting. Like, I'm so stoked to hear." Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are like, "True or not true?" Is the is the and it's kind of like. 
we got to put this out early then. I didn't know. I, know, it was, like, I was gonna send. I'm gonna send it to Tom tonight, and hopefully we can get it out on Friday. That's well, like true. I have to go. I have a true and odd, not true. Oddly enough, yeah. I literally am filming a Schwinn BMX bike entry level for that studio that I do work with tomorrow. Huh. Wow, yeah, interesting. Oddly enough, so it's funny when you're like mentioning Schwinn. I was like bizarre connection. I've, yeah, you know, like never filmed a Schwinn. Well, that's what blows my mind, man. But, I, as a career BMX guy, I, uh, I look at like SE and how good Todd Lyons is doing with SE now, mm -hmm. you know, and actually, um, Todd used to be on SNM. Todd's a friend of mine. Yeah. used to stay with Todd in Ohio and I've known him since we were teenagers. Uh, he's a great dude. He's killing it. With yeah. It's insane. And Scott Breithop founded that company and then died in a camping tent yeah. on meth in yeah. a field. It's fucking uh, rest in peace. Obviously. I heard like, that story. Yeah. That's insane. He, he it's invented, insane. invented BMX, yeah. started the coolest first rider own brand. Yep. Killed it. That brand was so sick and then died in a tent on meth in a field, <laughs> you know, and I see the demise. Like I said, my first sponsor bike shop guy, you know, meth induced stroke died, you know, GT crashes, motorcycle died. His kid overdose, accidental overdose died. Chuck Robinson killed himself. Like, all these mentors of mine growing yeah. up, you know, are gone. And um, all the businesses, they're all gone. And a lot of times people don't, they don't have a plan. And that's what, they don't have a plan for retirement, for their family, for the future. And that's what grabbed me about that guy asking me, like, have you ever thought about what you're going to do with your company, you know, as you get older, you're not able to run it or whatever, you know? And I, I think about that stuff all the time. Like, I don't know if you could, are you guys surfers at all? Mm -mm. No. Well, there's a company called Clark Foam. They they basically invented the um, like the closed cell foam blank that surfboards are made of now. And prior to that, they were made by red, out of redwood. Mm -hmm. Guys would like you know yeah, woodwork them into surfboards. And then this guy Clark developed this closed cell foam with Hobie Alter, and they set up this little shop in the hills behind Laguna Beach on Laguna Canyon Road. And this guy dominated the foam blank business for decades. Clark Foam. Every surfboard was made with Clark Foam. Then he got in this like tiff with the city because of the chemicals or whatever and all these internal problems and he got super pissed and then he just basically put a big F you to everybody in the surf industry and basically shut it down, destroyed everything, the tooling, the molds, everything necessary and bounced. Burn it to the ground. Basically. And yep. it just disappeared. And, and I think to myself, oh, dude, no, 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 no matter how pissed that dude was he should have just been like you know what i'm over this i'm over all these people but i'm gonna sell this shit mm -hmm. and i'm gonna make a boatload of money then i'm gonna bounce yeah so what someone else just figured out the technique eventually? it took him a long time yeah it's taken him a long time a couple other companies have come up now that make the foam blanks and people are looking at more environmentally friendly blanks and trying to do different alternatives for boards that aren't bad for the environment but uh he left a hole in that industry that made it almost impossible to get a surfboard for a wow. while. For a while. And prices went through the roof, too. Damn. And this was his FU. I don't want to FU anybody. You know? Yeah, you love like, the industry. But the biggest FU to everybody that I try and do daily is loving life in general. And that's what I'm doing. Like, I'm doing my shit, you know? Last weekend, this weekend, I'm camping in the mountains, you know? I'm out in a lake at 8,000 feet in Colorado. I'm paddle boarding around and hang, shooting BB guns with my kids. Monday morning, I jump on a flight. Boom, I'm here. Deal with this shit. 
Friday, boom, I'm back <laughs> on flight. A bit on Saturday, we're going to our friend's barn party. That's like a rodeo uh, operation, and I'm going to be at the barn party on Saturday. That's awesome. You know, I think, and I, for I think, me, it's like that's the fu. Yeah, man. It's well, that's like, yeah, being able to to balance, you know, because you are still dealing with that bullshit, but you got to yeah. get away for those couple of days to make you okay to come back you right. know where you kind of well that's so. why you know i love being in the mountains in colorado and i love being in san clemente yeah and for the last 15 years melissa grew up in that small mountain town you know i grew up out here so you know we're we're on t street <laughs> we're looking at the ocean then we're in colorado and we're looking at snowy mountains yeah. with a river running by yeah. killing it's it like, are you fucking winning yeah. are you kidding me like no. it doesn't get any better than that no it's amazing not. So, especially too, when you hear all these stories of your mentors blowing their brains out and going to the tent and doing <laughs> yeah. crack, like you did the opposite of that. Well, yeah, I, I was, I could have been going down that road at you some could, point. Anyone could have. Yeah. You know, but like, you gotta, yeah, you gotta kind of get out of funk and. Thankfully you sold that weed and didn't smoke at all. Yeah. Dude, I never, you know, it was so funny. These people, <laughs> I was like, I had to do that thing where I was like. Oh, bro, it looks a little shaky, man, but it'll get you high. Yeah. You're like, I think that's and what I, people I, say. Let's <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> right? You gotta, Sales, man. Yeah, you got to do that. You got to do that. Um, I would like to talk about two things. What you're most proud of uh, over the 34 years, if, that's, if there's a single product or event or gathering or person. Uh, you know, I know that's a hard question, kind of vague. Well, I mean, I think I'm most proud of the fact that we're still here. Yeah. Honestly, I've got, had a lot of people there. Jason's been there for a long time. A lot of people have been there for, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, and we're still around. Yeah. You know, we're still enjoying it. And you know what's crazy? Jason runs the shop. He builds these bikes. And he's, like, rushing out of there at 4 o'clock to go to Sheep. Yeah, it's amazing. And he's, like, 40-something. And I'm 50 and I'm trying to go ride. Yeah. And then I think about the other brands like SE is a good example of Scott and Mike Devitt. They were almost the same combo. Scott was the owner. He was like face. And then Mike ran the shop. You know, by the time these dudes were, you know, Mike never had anything to do with BMX. And Scott, by the time he was like 25, he's Sorry fried. Yeah. yeah, he's smoking crack or whatever. So uh, hmm. now me and Jason are like, we're getting up there in yeah. years yeah. and we're still psyched on riding. I mean, yeah. th to me, that's rad. That's like a, yeah, really I, I get, I get what you're saying there. Like, that's like, uh, you know, you kind of have an expected path almost yeah. and you're like, who no, has, we didn't do who that. Who else so. has a frame that was essentially made by a dude that rides? Yeah. Honestly, now, I mean, layered, now, now that layered, but layered. it's a handful of frames. Yeah. Moliterno, it's a handful of frames. Yeah. And we're talking like two, three frames a week. Cran I mean, know? now we'll FB, do that. FBM we'll do that before first break on Monday. You know, we do that before 9.30 on Monday. So what? it's just a different, it's a totally different deal. All s and made in-house. In-house. Yeah. yeah. Frames, forks, and bars. What about uh, COVID? How has COVID been this last, whatever, year and a couple of months? Yeah, COVID, COVID was, was uh, interesting for sure because Doug and I went to the cab to show in New York City like in March or February or something right when COVID hit. And we were on the plane they were rushing the National Guard into, into Manhattan or whatever. And when we landed, I told Doug, I go, dude, were you watching? What were you watching? He goes, Fast and the Furious. I go, oh, <laughs> well, I was watching CNN. Yeah. And the National Guard is coming into the city right now. Should we just seriously get on another plane and go right back to L.A.? You know, and he's like, ah, eh, let's just run it, you know. So we did the show. 
and a trade was, a trade show. And we both got COVID. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. When yeah. we came back, Doug got hospitalized. Oh wow! He was he had to have his mom come to his apartment, pick him up, and take him to the hospital. I never get sick. Like I'm impervious to disease. Totally. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. No, I know true. what you're. Yeah, it's true. I'm impervious to disease, and I tell people this all the time, and they think, "Oh, dude, you're full of shit." I'm, Never been sick. Never stayed home from work a day in my life ever. And I started going like, <clears throat> and I'd read these or hear these things in the news. They're like dry cough and you know a little soreness. I was like, <clears throat> yeah. It's like, what's up? Nothing, man. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. And then I was then I was fine. Yeah. So you just had the little teeny symptoms. I think I had it, but I never lost the taste. I never lost the smell. Yeah, but like you said, you're a really healthy dude. Never get sick. So I you never probably had like sick. a very minimal. And I feel like I lie to myself so much about never getting sick that it helps me never get that's sick so, that's yeah. what i was gonna say yeah, yeah. that's yeah. part of it i'm know? not sick i have a friend that says so they never sick. get sick and i'm like you're always sick yeah. like yeah. <laughs> runny nose yeah. and so i'm like you're just sick all year round you say you never get until, sick. until i got married i didn't i thought i never got so sick. i had to come i had to come into the shop and like melissa basically i came home from work one day in, in san Clemente, and she was like um i pulled the girls out of school today and uh, we're going to colorado and i go for how long she's like remains to be seen so that was out. That was yeah. it. They're out. Yeah. It was like March. They're out. That was right when COVID started. That was right when plan. COVID started. She was the first one to take the kids out of school. School got closed like a week later. Yeah. In San Clemente. She was already like, nah. She was on top of it first. She took them out. Went to, she's like, we're going to Colorado. So we went to Colorado. And then in that, in the year since we've been out there for like maybe a year and three months or something now, um, I've been bouncing back and forth like every three weeks and I'll come out here for like four or five days and work and go back. And then right when that first started, we were doing the Supreme bikes. So everybody had to come oh, yeah. into the shop to build those Supreme bikes. Then we came out with the COVID cruiser, which sold like crazy yeah. all year long. We did like 800 of them or something. And people still are like hounding us to make these things, but we're done with it. The Supreme bike was good. The COVID cruiser was good. Business has been really good. Um, I took the opportunity to like fix up some things in my body that were jacked. Like I got my hip replaced in January. And I rehabbed that up to like March, April. And then I thought, you know what? That was six grand in deductible. I'm going to sneak in my shoulder yeah. all in the same year on the six grand. So I went to the Vale and saw that the Eli Tomac doctor, Dr. Peter Millett. And then he did the shoulder. But as I get on the bed to go in and do the shoulder and I'm sneaking both surgeries in the same year to get the deductible. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we see your, your insurance year ends in like October. It's not mm. a calendar. They're like, no, 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 no. Oh. Yours ends in September. Damn. They're like, we need six grand. Oh. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get the credit card out. Another six grand. So I'm 12 grand in surgeries. <laughs> and then I've been rehabbing that for like the past five and a half months, bouncing back and forth and working like crazy. But racing dirt bikes and surfing a little and trying to just get it better. But it's been a super busy year. Weird. Yeah. But really good for the bike business. Um, now it's getting tough for the bike business because no one can get anything. Yeah, so that's what kind of what I was At thinking. At first, it so was you like, sold, you basically sold out of everything. When it first started, I was like doom and gloom. I was like, that motherfucker that ate the bat <laughs> is now going to put us all out of business. I was yeah. so pissed. Yeah. And then after yeah. a little bit, it was like, oh damn, mm. actually business is blowing up. Yeah. But there was this little period of time there where everybody started blowing out their inventory because they were like, we're going out of business. Yeah. And I was one of them. Yeah. And then we quickly realized, oh, we should have just held on to it. Yeah. Who who did that? Who went out of business and was like, oh, that's not a, maybe FBM? 
Yeah, um, that was a long. That was yeah, way before COVID. I don't know. I don't. But yeah. so then, so business did really, really well for a while. Yeah. No, it you, still is. Business is still killing it. Like we cannot keep up with demand. Not even close. Yeah. Not. In, but now the problem is people that source their stuff from overseas can't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger players are basically hoarding. Talk about that. Yeah. Because I know what you're referring to. Well, like the seats and all that yeah. kind of stuff. There's only certain vendors that make certain things, and yeah. if the big players dominate their production time then the small players aren't going to be able to you know get anything on the line get it made so did you hear about that i mean that that would just be i don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name names but basically the the story is right now that uh big mountain bike companies bought all the velo seats so you're not going to be able to get like a brand new bmx seat for like a year or two that's that's the story I mean, it's all or, normal, that, it's all normal business. Yeah, stuff. of course. You know, that's it's like supply and demand. You're it, gonna you're gonna uh, you know cater to your whale yeah. that's gonna buy a million seats, right? But it fucks everybody else. And then over. then the other big problem for us that is sucks. that the other big problem for us is that we, it's hard to get material. Mm-hmm. So frames, forks, bars, stems, sprockets, all the things we make right here in Southern California require material. And if you can't get the material, mm. you can't make the product. So materials either scarce, not available. Or like triple the price. Yeah. So that rail Instagram post that you made, so they came out with a new flat bar and then you said it was going to go up by double or yeah, something? So I brought out this, um, this portable rail, like four foot, four foot, you know, um, one of them's adjustable. One of them's fixed, mm-hmm. like 18 inch, you know, whatever, just like the other one, but not as flimsy, mm-hmm. heavier, more expensive, you know? And already it was like pushing it on what a kid could pay 250 for a rail yeah yeah you know already and then i get then i get this i put in the order for the second run and i've already spent like thousands and thousands on the tooling for like rubber feet with shields on it sick sick shit plastic (laughs) caps with shields on it all this custom tooling and Mm -hmm. badass shit i think the tooling for that rubber foot was like 12 grand and then all of a sudden I do like whatever, a couple thousand of these things or something. Now we're near to even pay off the, the cost, know, cost yeah. of the tooling even with the margin and the whole deal. And then they tell me, oh, yeah, you know, um, the manufacturer is raising the price by like, you know, 65%. Fuck. And the minimum quantity went from like, oh, you got to order a thousand of them to now you got to order 10,000 of them. I was like, 10,000? How long? They asked me, how long would it take you to sell that? <laughs> I was like fucking 14 years i don't fucking know <laughs> a long ass time is the answer yeah. and 60 percent more and yeah. 10 times more pieces it's just outrageous i, I feel like what they're so trying did to you do order them i did <laughs> i actually did but i'm still haggling on the quantity and the price yeah. so i'm gonna try and meet somewhere in the middle i want to be reasonable i understand that these things are going up in price around the world. But I feel like big manufacturers are basically like just trying to push their customers to just say no. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, let's say like a smaller brand, you know, wants to order, um, you know, whatever, 500 hub guards. And then they go, Oh yeah. Now you have to order 6,000. Yeah. You know, they just want them to say no. This is not worth. Yeah. They're like, Oh, it's not worth our time to even bother with it. And they just want them to say no. And then they want to like, just, you know, be done with that. Mm-hmm. They're making enough money. It's yeah. Like, what, what? So, I, but it's got to end, right? Like we've been, yeah. we've seen these kind of things happen before, and yeah. so you got to be smart and just 
do whatever you can to get through to weather this storm because there's always a storm like this is the storm now the next storm could be something else yeah and then we've been through you know in 35 years i've been through all kinds of crazy shit. Mm -hmm. and you just gotta like be smart not freak out take a deep breath and just deal with what's happening today get up tomorrow make a list of what's happening tomorrow and go from there but check I don't, bmx ultra I, make sure they haven't posted anything i new. don't stress myself out at all like melissa does oh yeah this shit she'll get stressed about like the sims thing super stressed about situations like that uh, at the end of the day i just go yeah. it's over yeah now i'm gonna go ride or i'm gonna mm -hmm. go down paddle around the river you can leave it alone yeah leave i can't there. now separate it's taken me a long long time to be able to do this are there are there challenges that the average BMXer should expect from brands and products coming up? Well, if I were a writer, like right now, just a young kid coming up, I, I would I would just stock up. Yeah. I'd be like, man, what do I blow through? And I'm gonna stock up on it right now. I really would. I'd yeah. get like whether it's tubes, rims, I don't know, whatever you different riders blow through different things. But if I was a pedal dude, I'd get some pedals. <laughs> yeah. I would just stock up. You really feel like there's gonna be a point where it's gonna be hard to find absolutely when you national that, tube shortage absolutely it's coming like could yeah so <laughs> you said yeah. absolutely i mean it's like it said it could <laughs> i mean i don't i'm not yeah. nostradamus well, it, well, well I, I was just joking because ball, but i have a way better idea than i, I would, would say though. it could happen hasn't yeah. john paul talked about the the tube shortage for like 10 years or something like tubes are going to be impossible to find is that is he's talking about he that? Ha, i mean i feel like he of all people john paul actually posted something about that like five or ten years ago or something or I, I man, heard when, it. i'll tell you this when i was a kid i didn't have any money um this is before i met all these industry bigwigs and got all these connections but i didn't have any money and i, I mean it sucks to say now but Back then, all the bike parts were sold at the grocery store. Hmm. I'd steal them. <laughs> I hate to say or just, that. Or get I hate a patch to say kit. that, but I didn't have a choice, and I loved to ride, and I needed to ride, and I didn't have any money, and I needed a patch kit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slip it in my back pocket, yeah. and I'm out. I think we've all done that. Maybe not Dennis, because he's mm -hmm. too nice. <laughs> you need tubes. You need tubes. <laughs> yeah, or kids gotta learn how to patch their tubes. Mm, or that. Yeah. I had tubes back in the day that had ten patches on them. Yeah. I bet you the average rider doesn't even know how to patch a tube. Probably. Well, I mean, it's I crazy being not. like down Honestly, in South America not. and I'll just be like yeah. running through a clip and throw two tubes away. And the kids are like, you fucking serious? Yeah, they run dude? and grab I'm it. Like, oh, yeah. Cut, it, cut it with a knife, tie it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're making Make shit work. And it's they're like, putting oh. slings on their inner tubes. Yeah, they're exactly. patching them with duct tape. Yeah. That's they're the first a, time I ever. They got a flat spot in their tire. Exactly. It's got duct tape wrapped yeah. around it. Uh, I used to have a solid tube. The one that had no air in it. Oh, damn. That's oh, wow. <laughs> so I'd go through tires before the tube. is insane. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, they're shitty. Uh, is made in the USA still a selling point, you think? I mean, I think it is. Yeah. Um, you know, made in USA frames, I feel like they have a different feel to them. You know, they're like a springy, more of a springy pop to them, in my opinion. Like a lot of that, those Taiwanese frames are a little bit heavier. And I feel like they're, they're, they're a lot better than they used to be, but mm -hmm. I don't think they ride the same. I mean, interesting that's kind of my personal opinion um i know recently we gave like i said we gave edwin a new snm and he just wasn't happy with the bike he'd been riding mm -hmm. chinese you know bike didn't like just didn't like it didn't like the way it rode interesting so uh the concept, as far you, as like this is a side do you believe in the concept of pop in a in a bike have you heard of that i get it yeah, I think it's it's a little it's not like Ollie Pop, but I yeah. feel like it's a, it's more of like a, when you turn it or 
You know, you do the flex. Like, you do when I put things. a whole new bike together, because I run the same, my same parts, frame, everything's always the same, and I'll put a whole new one together. And that first, it's like, oh, this feels so good. Yeah. And I can't explain it because I just switched all the same shit over. You know, it's just like, yeah, got the perfect, I guess you'd call it pop. It's just, yeah, you know, I don't, maybe that's feels the wrong so word. good. Yeah. Like, it's just so, f- nothing sagging. It's just so perfect. It's crazy. It's all the same parts, though. Like, I, sw- I just switch cranks, and cranks don't bend or anything. Like, my cranks don't, and it, my bike feels better just from putting new cranks on for some reason. Yeah. No, I know. So I can um, see how if yeah. you have this person who puts way more passion and love into making the frame in your factory compared to just someone just zipping them together down a line in yeah. China, it's probably a lot different. It is a lot different. I mean, they make good stuff over there. Most of our frames that are imported, Fit has imported frames, they all come from the same shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. when I go over there, it's like, oh, we the people's BSDs, um, strangers, Fits, they're all being made, they all get made in the same shop. You know, maybe the only frame that doesn't get made in that shop are Sundays, you know, yeah. and um, they have some other places they go to because they have better Taiwanese connections, you know, than the rest of us. But uh, I feel like the frames that come from over there are good. Um, USA stuff's really cool, too. I mean, we can do it in smaller batches. We can do smaller colors. We can change it up quicker. We can make changes That's quicker. Cool. We're not waiting six months for an order to show up. You know, it, the majority of BMX brands now, it's all about when does the container arrive? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, you call the sales rep and they're like, oh, man, no, we're just chilling. You know, we got the shirts and the socks and we got the dog bowls and the basketballs or whatever the fuck they're selling. But uh, they got no part. The container's not here. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's everything's about when do the containers come? You know? Yeah. And then then one day they get to call the containers here. (laughs) They start hitting everyone. Yeah. And I always (laughs) ask the FedEx driver like cults around the corner from us. And I always ask the FedEx driver. I'm like, what's going on, dude? There's no cult shit in that truck at all. What are they doing over there? You know, and he's like, oh, they're waiting for the container. (laughs) We don't wait. We wait for the paint truck. We wait for the chrome truck. We we, we got shit coming in every single day. That's the thing about Made in USA. It's quicker, smaller batches. You turn them over quicker. You got cool shit, different shit coming in all the time. Um, The cost to make it's a whole lot more. Yeah. Um, And now is there like a, a pride thing involved with Made in USA? I don't know. I feel like there is. I feel like there used to I be buy, for sure. I buy Made in USA, but I'm seriously an old man at this point. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I feel like it's kind of the same for me. I try and be conscious about it and make smart decisions with my purchases these days, you know, outside of BMX too. But it's, I don't know if other people care, you know. So. Yeah. You're looking at the tape measures and you're like, oh, the Stanley's Made in USA from imported materials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get that one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that that's like World War II old band stuff, you know? Yeah. I I like the Made in USA thing. I like making bikes, like actually physically going out in the shop and like making handlebars, making bikes, like seeing it getting made. Yeah. I think that stuff's cool. I think it's magical. Yeah, it's like magical in a sense. In yeah, a, it's, in a, it's yeah. rad. It's so much cooler than... To, I don't really want to be in the, just sitting in the office, you know, emailing the drawing and then waiting for the container to arrive business. Um, although that might give you more free time to worry about the graphics or the image or taking care of the riders and yeah. patting people on the butt and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, a lot of this podcast, we're sitting here talking about like the reptile dude and the dune buggy dude because that's a big chunk of what we do. Yeah. Now, is that make does that make us better or does that just distract us from what everyone thinks is important in our little marketing bubble which is just like team and image and whatever you know i don't know yeah i think it's a whole other uh, uh what's the category that mm-hmm. the other other brands can't even 
compete with you know so the people that you get that don't necessarily care about team or image right. you know like that'd be way easier you know? to like get behind a different brands if there was more that because a lot of it is just team logos image right. but if everyone was in-house i know that's would never happen but that'd be fun you know you'd be like yeah. oh like this is well i, I like mean, their I welders was... and i like their team like there'd be so yeah. much like i was genuinely like sad almost when steve just shut fbm down and it yeah. was like overnight you yeah. know and i don't know what was going on i think he's just he's over the bullshit just like what i've been saying is bullshit so yeah. he just maybe there were other internal issues or they just weren't making money or whatever but that was one of the last other i felt like snm was on the west coast and fbm was on the east coast yeah yeah and i feel like we ha we were holding it down yeah. like that you know and the dudes you go to the trails and guys were on snms and they were on fbms yeah or, yeah. or t1s but the t1s were made at snm or even if they weren't made at snm it's joe yeah it's T1. Yeah. So the brands like at the trails were very specific. You don't see a lot of dudes roll up to real trails on like a other brand. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, uh, I had like three brands right there, but I was like, I like that dude. Yeah. I feel like you said them out loud. I, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I was like, no, I'm not going to say it either. I'm going to let yeah. him say it. Um, I don't, the Made in USA thing's weird. I mean, I, I don't know. It's kind of like the writer owned, you know, like I don't, I don't know. I don't yep. know if anyone really cares anymore, you know? I think I think you there there is the people who don't care. That's a spectrum, you know. Yeah. What side of the spectrum you lean on? That's how it's always going to be. It's probably always been like that. But more and more, as there's more diversity in riding from street to trails to people who give a shit, people who just want the cheapest bike, you know. Yeah. Because there's been times right. where you know, I had S and M dirt bike classic, and I asked for it for Christmas and my birthday, like combined or something, and that was my bike I loved. But at some point, I grew out of it. It was a little too small or something, and I fucking bought saved up money and got the like eastern grim reaper or some bullshit <sighs> just something you know like because yeah. it was just the cheapest frame and dance right. comp i was like i gotta get it it's my size you know it's the cheapest one is you know i've seen that i've been on that end of things too it's like you want that bike but i can't get the the dope s&m that's gonna last me a long time i don't know this frame might snap but i can get it it's gonna fit me yeah i can learn a couple new tricks on it before i get a hand me down from the next guy yeah there's like that uh there's that you know status of having like cool shit that not everybody has yeah which is cool like when you had the dirt bike it was like people would be like oh it was so sick so yeah. nope, nobody was well maybe somebody was like oh is that the grim reaper just hell no people were like you're riding that thing <laughs> that's all it was when i had yeah. the dirt bike classic i was the only little kid with that bike and everyone's like what like that yeah. thing's so sick yeah i don't know it's, it's the eastern wasn't it's getting props <laughs> that's why this ownership thing and the sale and everything's freaked me out that people are this concerned about it because I think to myself, like, if I were to come in here and ask you guys, like, I know you know, so don't answer, but I'm going to look, I'm going to ask Dennis, you know, like, uh, you know, who owns Stranger? Primo? <laughs> who owns yes, Primo? Yes, yeah. exactly. But who owns Primo? I don't know. Yeah. Who owns Gallop. Sunday? Gallup, right? Odyssey. Who owns Odyssey? <laughs> I don't know. You see what I mean? It's like, who owns Haro? Yeah. yeah. Mm. I've had kids ask me if I do. Yeah. A lot. Like, <laughs> that question has been asked. So like nobody, yeah. it's like yeah. nobody really cares. Yeah. Until, but with S&M and Fit, it's like people just having a conniption. Yeah. But I think that's. Because people love it though. Because There's they like have like, like yeah. Well, it's I like, guess it's, it's, it's really cool. Because yeah. for 34 years, you have guys with S&M tattoos and you have yeah. guys that are, you know, to your own dismay at times, I'm sure they're like knocking on your fucking office no or throwing pebbles at your stranger. office and. You know, and so primo, to be yeah. honest with you, there might have been at a time when it was sick, but yeah, well, it's not. Yeah, you just, they, he just he just said something negative. Are they advertisers? Not, 
no, they actually just dropped out too. I mean, uh, come yeah, on, so. like Primo, you don't really see. But because they can't get products for nine months. Yeah. I mean, sorry to air this shit out, but I mean, they said that's the reason why he said like you can't get yeah, products for nine tough. months. That's hey, why I'm I was, asking. So as the whole SNM team was sponsored by Primo at one point, like in '94, mm-hmm. we ran it all, like the pedals, the, the tenderizers. You know, the there was sprockets. a time where Primo was the shit. That yeah, team. and did the team I had like. I, I would ride the stuff back then and I was still like getting photos and people knew like who I was and we had Troy and we had Butler and Bennett all that squad that Puma Castillo, that right? Puma squad was yeah. all on Primo we didn't get paid we just got free parts and we got dropped <laughs> because I refused to fill out the monthly status report or whatever and mm. I told those guys at Primo's Law I think at the time maybe I was like man we're so busy over here. We're like killing it. Have you not opened up ride or snap or whatever it is? Or do you not watch props? Mm-hmm. Like we're just slaying it <laughs> across the board with your shit on our bikes for free. And you have to, and fill we're going to get some form. dropped yeah. because I don't fill out a, f- I should have just Xerox copied a form that said, we are killing it <laughs> again. Yeah. You know, January, February, March, and they just, just put all 12 months up there. We're that's killing it. crazy, yeah. There it is. I should have just mailed them all to him at the same time. But you know what? He dropped us. They dropped us. And I was like, well, fuck it. Fuck we'll it. just make some of that shit ourselves. There you go. It's weird. Weird yeah. shit. Uh, I, I mean, I honestly feel uh, there's other questions, and I feel like I have more questions, but I don't know if we should we. I'm, I have like a horrible fucking headache. But oh, COVID. I, He's got COVID. I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I have the COVID vaccine, which is great. <laughs> we just we're just sitting in the room yeah. with the guy with COVID. Yeah, oh, COVID. Uh, he's got I'm, it. I'm like four and a half. I'm yeah, a you're foot. good. You're good. Um, nah, man, I loved it. And I, I, I mean, like, uh, why'd you beat up the guy on our logo? Oh yeah. Well, I've been going. I can't. That's the thing. I, why is he I, on the logo? If, I, that was. I my, honestly didn't really like it either. Okay. It right well, now. well, let's change it. And why is it unclicked? Well, that was his name. I called it unclick because it was kind of like doing unclick turndowns funny and gross. And this is kind of like when I started doing, I wanted people to get on here and say whatever the fuck they wanted. uh, Like, I mean, do you know what's going on here? Yeah, he's like, he's well, he's going into his front foot. He invented it. Yeah, it's Harry Leary. I don't even know. When I saw that, I like my old, I like my old logo with my dog with the headphones on, but it was too blurry. And I was like, okay, whatever. So I've had a few people be like, "What the hell did you do with the logo?" I'm like, "Dude, this." Uh, Let's let's switch it out. Let's have you do a fucking unclick turndown or something, or a bowler get X up, and then let's talk about. We'll change the logo. I like that. I like that you talk shit on it too. Well, because well, he beat him up. No, I didn't beat him. For, I've, I've been, <laughs> so that's an actual like, dude, Harry Larry. I, yeah, this is Harry. That's, Larry. I that's on the cover of and BMX this action. This trick used to be called a Leary. Yeah, and he invented it. Yes. No one ever did this. Before. So what I'd call that would be like a shitty turndown. Well, it's Unclicked. a Leary. It's a Leary. Yeah. I mean, but it's into his. It's into his uh, front foot, right? Dennis McCoy calls that a look back. <laughs> like the old. No, he's turn. left foot forward and he's kicking out to the right. Oh, That's normal. Yeah. That's the he's easy just doing way. a turn down without do straightening his legs. Yeah. Well, it's just an unclicked turn down. I felt like it was like the most famous one. That's yeah, why. I, that's why it ended up being. That's. That's, that's why I was like, and it was a high trick. quality image. Yeah. Too. So. Yeah, but. my picture wasn't. This, yeah. <laughs> what I was doing. It. This is probably this is when he rode for JMC, which was a killer California-made bike brand, and this is probably like eighty mm-hmm. right here, nineteen eighty. And probably 20 years later, I hit him square in the face with a shoe. <laughs> Whap. <laughs> Left a giant shoe print on his face. We had to go in an office with some police because he attacked. This dude attacked me. <laughs> so can I just tell that story? Yes, please. Without all the, this is how I want to end the podcast. Okay, yeah. we're, we're, so 
this is like we're way too old and he's 11 years older than me okay. and we're way too old to be where's like, all this dust coming from it's like oh there's two old guys fighting in the parking lot we are way too old to be worrying about racing and this is like this is like when i was maybe 30 something you know we're racing vet pro you got to be like 30 years old used to be a pro now it's called now you're vet pro and it's mm-hmm. just supposed to be cool like oh these were our dudes back in the day now they're still racing yeah but we just get way too like fired up on it you know me and this guy all the time so i crash him in the corner boom we go down hey he's on top of me and he's got his knee in my neck and he's like elbowing me i'm like get off of me you maniac you freak you know like, i'm like yelling at him just get off of me but i i crashed him in all honesty like i just t-boned him yeah. go down now he's you know wwfing me in the corner so i'm like Dude, you're a nut, you know? And I get up, I go back to my little pit area, and I take off my shoe because I sprained my ankle when I crash. I'm massaging my ankle, and there's a lady with a baby in a stroller sitting right next to me. And I'm massaging my foot. I'm like, oh, my foot's killing me. And I'm like, I got to get ice. You know, I got to ice this thing. And all of a sudden, wham! Just flat. I'm just laid out. He just comes up from behind me and just cold cocks me in the side of the head and my ear. I'm on the ground. I hit the stroller. The baby stroller flies over. Damn. Now I jump up. I jump up. I got my shoe in my hand because I'm massaging my mm-hmm. foot. And I'm hopping around on one foot. And he's just like right in my face. He already, you know, sucker punched me in the ear, which hurts. And I jump up. I'm like, you, you motherfucker. I just, I just whap. <laughs> shoe right in the face that's the guy on our logo a giant shoe print and then the lady for, and then he's like we're on the ground and someone's pulling us apart and pretty soon we're in this office in the back of the stadium and the cops come and there's this lady's pissed because her baby got knocked over and she wants to press charges and they're like Chris what do you want to do I'm like I don't, I, don't, I don't care I'm like I'm just I'm over it. And this shoe print just starts welting <laughs> up more and more as we're like arguing about it, you know, with the police or whatever. And then he gets kicked out. They kicked him out for the whole year. Oh, wow. Whole season. Yeah. It was the first race of the season. Amazing. They kicked him out for the whole rest of the season. I'm seriously been talking about this for like 20 years <laughs> all the time. And then you come in here and see this guy. You're Dude, like, what and the I, hell? And I've gotten into it with this guy so many times and they were always so crazy. I always, he freaks and then I freak. And one time I smashed his visor off and his visor was hanging like this, like in his face. Cause it was only on one snap. And it's hanging like this, and he's yelling at me. And my friends are behind him throwing rocks at his helmet. (laughs) So as he's in my face yelling at me, he's like, bink, 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 bink. They're throwing rocks at him. It's crazy. I've been on the ground wrestling around fighting with him so many times. That's insane. I know. It's so funny, right? It is insane. And I I told the story on the other podcast, but when I was like 14, I went to his house. And I was like, I really looked up to him because he was rad. He's a good rider. Like, he... One of the first dudes to do tricks on dirt. I mean, he invented that fucking trick right yeah, there. Yeah. So he could jump and he rode real motocross style. So he was sick. I like watching him race. And I went over to his house and practicing starts in his alleyway. And man, I saw the temper like there because his, his wife was like, you know, his wife was like, oh, it's nine o'clock, you know, time to come in. You know, the gate's loud. You know, we're like, mm-hmm. rider's ready. Watch like, we're sprinting down the street. You know, it's nine o'clock and his wife's like in the window. It's dinner time. It's late. Shut it down. <laughs> and he was like, you fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I've told this story before and he hasn't killed me. So, you know, I'll tell it again. But he's like, the sooner you realize this gate's putting food on your table, oh you'll shut God. the fuck up. <laughs> oh and I'm 14, God. right? And I'm getting on the gate. I'm like, oh. Um, 
dude, this this gate is That's putting crazy. food. This gate is putting food on tables. <laughs> <laughs> like I got real focused. I was like, <laughs> I got to get after it. Yeah, and the then, same uh, guy you're smashing shoe prints like, in his face years, later, yeah. like twenty years later. Wow, it's insane. Yeah, but so actually, funny. like he's doing good. Last time I saw him, we were cool. I hung out with them. I'm not kidding you, man. Like I've made up with so many. Dudes that I was fighting with forever. That's so good. About so much crazy dude, shit. Dude, I, yeah. I take back the unclick turn now because that's a dude invented. Yeah, we'll change it. Hey, how about, how about when you get back on your bike, we'll shoot a photo of you doing an unclick turn, unclicked something, an X up or turn down, and this then trick, you could be the logo. This trick is, and we'll not, say fuck Harry Leary. That trick has never been in my wheelhouse because well, ride, that's what I, I'm saying. I, I even better, right, I ride right foot forward and kick out. Right X up then. Let's just do just a, a 179 X up. All right. All right. Perfect. One handed. One handed. One handed. Yeah. Four o'clock. So. Anyway. Hell yeah. Thank you, Chris. Shout out to Harry Larry for inventing the Leary. For real. Hell yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Harry Leary. Sorry for saying that was a shitty turn down because that's the Leary. It's not even I literally turned down. I literally said everything fuck Harry Larry like, turn, t- like 20 down, seconds ago. Yeah. Turn, turn down came shout out, out to him. Turn down came around when they when they did it on ramps. Okay. Yeah. So on dirt, it was a Leary. And then when you do you're on a ramp, you go straight up. You don't even turn have to down. kick the back end out. Yep. All you do is turn it down. That's why it's turned down. Okay. This is a leery. You got to kick the back end out ninety degrees. Yeah, <laughs> I want to do some learies today. You should. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Well, thanks for everything. <laughs> yeah, thanks for I'm having gonna go me. ride. So uh, this, this might have been the longest podcast ever. Yeah, you. I you, loved it by by a long shot. By a long Chris shot. Chris Moller, yeah. fucking dude. There's so many more questions. I, I feel like shit. I feel like shit. So Roger's dying. I'm holding on. I gotta go ride. Chris drove all the way down here. Yep. So thank you for thank having you. me. Unclick. Thank you, Traction Coffee. Thank you, Chris Moeller. And S&M is for sale, but it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> make, make an offer. <laughs>